Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Everybody and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. Today is Wednesday, August 24th, and you are listening to episode number 561. I will be your host this week. I am Joy Buccino, and joining me is Mr. Bob Breyer. So, Steve Rogers, stupor or no? <laughs> Aaron Amos is also joining us. It took me a second to figure out where that came from. I was a little lost, but okay. I'm on board now. Back. Hey, everyone. See, I got that reference. <laughs> Hey, that's layers. And Chris Carey is joining us once again. Hi, that's right. Damian Wayne's other asexual friend is in here. <laughs> you can eat a bag of anyway. Oh. <laughs> Aaron, we finally bonded. You're going to do me like that? <laughs> Listen, I said what I said. <laughs> We're going to hear all about it. I will be your host this week as friend of the pod, Bronwyn Kelly Say, has been struck ill. And by extension, our regular host, Steve Say, has also been struck ill. Uh, we wish them both the very best and a quick recovery. I'm sure they'd love to hear from all of you as well. So just bombard their Twitter feeds and, and DMs and notifications. Bing, 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 bing. I'm sure that won't be annoying at all. I love the way you pass over to blames Bronwyn for Steve's illness. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Of course, we wish them well. And uh, I, I am pinch hitting today. Tonight was supposed to be my day off as I. You're not even supposed to Aaron, be here today. <laughs> I know. I'm not even supposed to be here. Um, we have lots to do, though. Lots to do. A little show called She Hulk dropped on Disney Plus. We'll be talking about lots of lightning rounds, some cool news. But first. Aaron and Chris were talking about bonding over the weekend. We need to hear all about it. So please tell us about that little event called FlameCon. Yay! <laughs> uh, Chris, would you like to start since, since uh, you were hosting a panel? Oh, uh, yeah. It was so fun. So I got to attend two days of it. I think you got to attend two um, days of it too, right, Aaron? Yeah. We actually will talk about it, but we actually searched for you. We couldn't find you. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a reason for that. <laughs> we'll okay. get to it because okay. I only got to attend the first two days and you got to attend the, the last two days. <laughs> we only overlapped for one day. Um, yeah. But yeah, I got to host a panel for Gotham Outsiders where we talked about queerness in all things Batman. Uh, it was one of the most fun things I've done in my entire life. I had such a blast. Um, and, and then someone came up afterward and scared the shit out of me by saying that he <laughs> <laughs> sees me every week. And I was like, who is this man? <laughs> and it was Aaron. Aww. <laughs> Let me just clarify by saying, the, <laughs> no, the panel was really, it should have been called, everyone in Gotham is queer. That's <laughs> and true. I loved it. I loved, it was just like, I was like, I never saw that connection before. I totally get it now. But, <laughs> but no, I, 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 I tried to be my scariest when I approached because, you know, then I could, then I could dial it back. 
you know. It was great. It was great. You're so relieved. You're so relieved that I'm not there to murder you that you're happy to see me. Exactly. It's a low bar. Yeah. It's a a plan. It works very effectively. It's it's a plan. And I just come up and say hello. Yeah, exactly. If I just come up and say hello, then you're like, what do you want? Exactly. Exactly. So he turned up his creepy stalker, but it was such a delightful surprise even (laughs) still. No, it was it was really fun. Like, it's hard to even know what to say about it because I'm going to have to listen back to our episode recording on it to even remember what happened during the panel. I think I blacked out, but it was really fun. (laughs) Aaron, you were actually present. Do you have anything to say? Yeah, no, it was it was it was fun. It was I I liked all the I like the slide presentation that was Mm. going on there. Um, And a lot of the connections and the dots that were being, you know, made. um, It was, you know. I would just say this, generally speaking, about the entire con that I, I literally didn't finalize my decision to go until like Wednesday, or like Wednesday yeah. night. Actually, and I didn't actually book anything, like anything to go there, until Thursday morning. Wow. Um, and because you know, there's things happening, um, yeah, and I just wanted to make sure that you know I had the bandwidth to do it. Um, don't regret it at all. Had a great. Great time there. Started the weekend off with Mr. Joseph there, uh, mm-hmm. getting some uh, some carbs, you know, at one of his local haunts. Uh, you know, uh, had a great time with he and Emily. Um, Saturday, I uh, you know just hung around the city, did the whole thing, and then popped into to FlameCon specifically. I specifically wanted to get there and you know just to to sit around the panel. I wanted to make sure I surprised you know Chris. Um, and that was one. That was the first of two panels that I attended. I didn't attend any other panels that day, but I wanted to make sure I was there. And one of the things I will say is that, you know, and I think I said this, you know, during New York Comic Con, during Awesome Con, it's always good when you can be amongst people who understand your experience mm-hmm. and your motivations. Um, and that is doubly the case when you're, you know, at FlameCon because you are there, obviously leaning into the nerd things that you love, but at the same time leaning into it with people who share your, your queer experience um, and get to see things through that lens. And you don't have to so much worry about being enraged by someone who doesn't get it, you know, or, or you know, the, as Steve would say, the dude bros who, who don't quite understand. So it was, you know, an extra layer of comfort, you know, and walking through that space. And also, and I said this to Ben, it also makes me wonder why there isn't a larger showing at NYCC. Well, we know why, because it costs mm-hmm. too much to get a panel there, but mm-hmm. you know, um, to get or a booth rather there, but you know, it, it becomes clear when you go to NYCC and you see sort of a back row of, of queer content. Geek Sound is there and much props to them, don't get me wrong. Um, how much is not available to people who might benefit from it, you know, yeah. in such in a larger setting. Um, but Hmm. I, I I will lean into FlameCon to sort of carry that torch. I said it. I didn't even realize I was saying it. So don't come don't come for me. I didn't I didn't hear it until it came out of my mouth. But I, I will leave it to them to carry that torch. But I had a great time, and I got to spend yeah. time with a uh, on day two, um, well my day two, with friends of the show, uh, Melissa Megan and I'm sorry, Eisner Award winning Professor Dr. <laughs> Carolyn Coca. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm, we had a great time. Also had lots of potatoes. I don't know whether it was potatoes this weekend. We had a lot of potatoes. You're on vacation. That's what I said on Friday when you were like, should I get the bacon cheese fries? And I said, you're on vacation. <laughs> That's what you get. Yeah. We got, and I realized we got poutine and then Melissa wanted oh. some 
Um, yeah. All you ate this weekend was potatoes. potatoes. Basically, <laughs> I'm just realizing that. It was all potatoes. That's amazing. We got it's poutine, the- and then Melissa got these truffle fries that she didn't want to get by herself, <laughs> so we shared them. And then I ordered a sandwich that came with fries that I didn't realize. <laughs> it's if your comments that uh, about kind of the showing at NYCC is interesting because and and you and I have s- gone to a few of these mm-hmm. panels too but the the queer focused panels are always mm-hmm. standing room only yep. always yeah. like and so it's really it's really I, I'm really glad to hear you say kind of what you said about FlameCon and the the, the kind of culture and community there yeah. because when I'm at New York, it feels like it feels like there's a a, a group there that wants it. Like yep. like it Absolutely. it's standing room. The panels are always packed, yeah. but it is expensive, yeah. and it is trying to fit into kind of this larger thing. So I'm glad that something like yeah. FlameCon does. Yeah exists and provides you with that. Yeah. Um, Chris, did you have something on oh, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, FlameCon, so day one was the fireball, mm-hmm. um, which if you hear how sultry my voice sounds today, it's because of the fireball. Uh, <laughs> it has not returned. <laughs> um, completely couldn't talk that night. It was bad. But um, the fireball is literally a ball, um, and it's a drag ball, basically, that they kick off the whole con with. Um, and we had, you know, drag queens doing Loki and drag queens doing an X-Files routine that was so elaborate and, you know, celebrating their gender, their gender expression and their nerdiness in a place where literally everyone seemed to just drop their guard. It was held in a, in a gay bar. Um, excuse me. It was held in a gay bar and everyone just seemed comfortable. And it was literally like attendees and comics writers and comics artists that you knew and everyone was just kind of partying together and celebrating their queerness like steve orlando bought me a drink it was so wild (laughs) no big deal don't say that too close to aaron because now he's really upset Uh, no big deal i'm besties (laughs) with steve orlando's partner now we we really hit it off and we follow each other we've been chatting uh it's fine (laughs) i chatted with him briefly Yeah, he's so sweet. He adopted me into his little group at the party and we were just hanging out and I've got to meet uh, Luciano uh, Versecchio and Mm -hmm. um, and um, oh, my God, he's going to be so mad because I just forgot his name. Someone else who's awesome. (laughs) It'll come to me. (laughs) Anthony Oliveira. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they were all just hanging out with me and TJ and Jadzia Axelrod at this drag party. It was the best night ever. Sorry, yeah, go I, ahead, Aaron. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I when I was going through on the floor, I ran into uh, Steve's boyfriend. I followed him on, on Instagram, Mike, yeah. so I, I recognize him. I ran into him. Adorable, by the way. He is so um, adorable. Oh, my God, they're such a cute couple. It's ridiculous. He's adorable. <laughs> um, he, he, might have, he, he might have a friend of the show coming after him to clear the path to Steve, but I'm just going <laughs> to leave that where it is. I don't want to blow up his spot. But... <laughs> Interesting. I don't know if you guys remember when I brought uh, Commanders in Crisis to the show, um, Steve right. Orlando's mm-hmm. book. Um, I said to him, I said to, to to Mike, I said, so I get the impression, because I just went to the book, I said, I get the impression that this book embodies everything that Steve wanted to do at either Marvel or DC or and was told he couldn't do or the barriers that he couldn't break down and all of those types of things, um, you know, at the big two. I go, at my own point, he goes, that is 100% what is in this book. Mm, yes. <laughs> and I was like, I thought so. I was like, it just, I said, I feel like he got it. He gained a good amount of experience with the DC slash Marvel way of, of managing superheroes and 
you know, tried, wanted probably, I wouldn't say tried and failed, but wanted to, um, but that editorial probably got in the way and said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do it this way. And he probably just took the opportunity to create this book, which is great because I actually really enjoyed that book. Yeah. So, Aaron, did you bring your business cards? You know what? Oh. I brought my mug. <laughs> I, I brought my mug. Gosh. Okay. You know, I designed this beautiful logo <laughs> and you're not even passing out business cards oh, with it on it. Oh my God. As you go around talking to the, anyway. You know what? Anyway, but, uh, but, hold it. Vistaprint.com. <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> um, but, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say, like, to Aaron's point about how special events like this are, I want to encapsulate it with a moment that I got to witness. So after our panel, we had a signing so that people could come meet Jazia Axelrod and Ben Kahn and talk to us about the show. And at one point, a little non-binary child, probably like six or seven, came up, got a copy of Galaxy, and then wanted to show us their dress that they were allowed yes. to wear safely in the space. I know and they twirled about. around. You saw this? The, the I, saw him. Twirled, I saw him. I saw him. I almost cried. They, yeah, they twirled around and then uh, Ben Khan got up from the table and walked around and they started twirling in their dresses together and we were all in tears and the kid was just so oh, happy yeah. and that that is what FlameCon is doing for young yeah. nerds, like giving a space that I know, I'm sure you can speak to this too, Aaron, that we never had growing up. Absolutely. So. And I'm sorry that I met they, the, the, when I saw them as they walked by, just yeah. as pure joy just walking through and I, I was trying to figure out I'm like yeah I think they're probably six-ish yeah. or something like that yeah and I was just like listen if you can start it you know being who you are at this age you'll never know what it's like not to be who you are Absolutely. you will live the mm-hmm. best life so I, I I I will I will say I I sort of paused there for a second and got a little choked up you know mm-hmm. um seeing it because they were just so happy and just so yeah. comfortable and just, you know, it was, it yeah. was great. It was delightful. I then had to tell them, you can't listen to our show though. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, yeah. we're so explicit, but um, so nice of you to come. <laughs> Something to look forward to. One I'm day. sure. Maybe your mom's will One say day. fine when you're like 14, 15, 16. Yeah. You know? In stay. the meantime, here's Robin number one. All right. Yeah. You can read along with some of the books, but please do not. Here's listen. super sons. <laughs> I, will, I will say Ben's gown was flawless. Oh of, my God! Yeah, a lot of flowy, a lot of flowiness going yes. on there. Yes, that so. that outfit and their outfit from uh, the ball was incredible too. It was that witchy look that they posted on Twitter. And uh, Jadzia came to the ball dressed in um, rogue cosplay that mm. was so hot. She was a smoke <laughs> show. She knows. I told her she was a smoke show at the drag ball, and they pulled her up on the stage at one point. It was just delightful. It was a great time. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad you guys had a great time. Yeah, it was so good. That's awesome. Um, before we move on, any other surprises? Any quick things to share from FlameCon weekend? or hmm. Anything to share? Anything to share? Well, no, I mean... I Would think- you go again? Just kidding. Oh, 100%. <laughs> well, actually, I think this was my third. Oh, yeah. This was my first, but absolutely I will. I meant to go again this weekend. That was the part. Um, TJ and I did not make it back because TJ got super bad food poisoning. Um, And I stayed and watched movies with him instead of coming back. So (sighs) I know I'm a long suffering friend. Loyal, loyal. (laughs) 
Bob, did you have any questions for our con goers? I think they covered just about everything. I will ask, did, were any publishers of note presenting, doing I mean, DC right and Marvel all had panels. Okay, um, yeah. that's cool. Jadzia hosted the DC panel, and I think Anthony Oliveira hosted the Marvel yeah. panel. Yeah, um, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, so they, they both had panels. I don't know if they had more than that. They definitely had I those. I didn't see. Uh, those are the right. only two that I saw. I mean, there yeah, were other panels that were. So there were other panels, like my friend um, Kellen. They did the um, yeah. Homo Superior is their podcast. Um, yes. And it is 100% uh, X-Men focused. So they're, they're yes. DC based. They're actually, I didn't even know that he did a podcast until, you know, I was at his place for like a New Year's Eve party. And I was like, oh, look at that. You got all these X-Men books. So, um, and that's kind of where we connect. <laughs> Me too. So I was like, look at that. Oh, okay. But yeah, so they did a podcast. And I think Steve Orlando yeah. um, was a part of that. They've interviewed him yeah. on their show before. Yeah, I will say this is the only con I'm aware of that celebrates podcasts this much because oh, cool. they were all over the place that homo superior also hosted another drag night on Saturday. Like all of the podcasts were like really super worked into it. I and mean, that's how we felt like really included. Um, yeah. So it was very cool. Uh, as far as other, I guess sorry. queer people just love podcasts. I guess we just hey. love podcasts. I don't know. Or <laughs> we like make great podcasts. There's that too. Yeah. Uh, but other like it really isn't a publisher focused event I will say no. it's not like other ones I've been to it's like Artist Alley the whole way through people yeah, are just cool. there I know it actually really is nice I kind of liked it um, yeah. also it, it, my other note is cosplay um, everyone was Eddie from Stranger Things <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm excited for that I'm excited for that analysis of that intersection between Eddie from Stranger Things and the queer community. Right, let me like, just what? tell you the, the Steve Eddie art or steady as it's called was <laughs> everywhere. I may have picked up a print. It was real cute. Uh, <laughs> Every, say- everyone was Eddie. People who hadn't watched Stranger Things were dressed as Eddie. I know because I talked to a couple of them. <laughs> there was a really cool Candyman, like original Candyman. Melissa pointed yeah. out walking around. Yeah. I will say uh, Melissa was uh, – Carolyn and I were laughing because Melissa was like a kid in a candy store. We got – like I – the first day I was there, I got like halfway through like the first row and I'm like, okay, I've already dropped 50 bucks and I haven't even got like the the second row of this place. I was like, you know, pace yourself. Melissa Mm -hmm. got there. And I swear to you, there wasn't a booth that she stopped at that she didn't purchase something. If you don't believe me, go to her Instagram. (laughs) Go go to her Instagram. She put it up. Um, And it was too funny. Carol and I were just like, she's going to shut this place down. (laughs) So she just, I mean, she was having such a great time. And her objective was, because I teased her about it. Her objective was, you know, she was going to come here and she's going to spend money and give it to, to creators who don't get representation. And, and I love that. Yeah. We want to continue to be, you know, profitable and able to do what they're doing. And so leave her alone. I was like, wow. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Miss yeah. Sassy Pants. Miss Sassy <laughs> Pants, you are, aren't you? So I, that's Aaron, the mission, man. Yeah. It was great. Aaron, it was, what was the like best art or merch or whatever that you found at FlameCon? Um, actually, I am partway through uh, Ben Kahn's book Shaman, which oh. was, which actually is quite funny to me. So, um, yeah, I'm going so to wrap that up. I found a bunch of things. Well, I found this one book that was like, um, I'm going to read that. And she's like, as I'm buying it, 
they go um because there were two people there it was like a lady it was like the author it was like do you like bondage and s&m stuff i'm like I, i'm afraid to answer that now <laughs> what is that it wrong? called i'm just asking for a friend so seriously, um, it's called um hold on i got it right here hold on i'm pulling it out you're gonna hear all kinds of weird noises in the background i'm excited for that. it's called it's called sunstone and bob already <laughs> reads it <laughs> <laughs> oh, the lonely receiver. Ooh. Oh, Zach Thompson, Rye Hickman, uh, Simon nice. Bolin, and I heard it too, Joey. Um, uh, Simon Bolin. Um, there was actually a series of books there. They were just Ooh. like, uh, well, if you like the bondage and S and M stuff, and it does that. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Let me. Just, You're like just a taste. Let me, exactly. Just let me. Just let me get this one in first, and then I will see if I want to purchase the others and, and figure out. But also, that's how they, that's how they get uh, you. A soup sum, if you will. So exactly. Yeah. So I bought a couple of books. I bought maybe like six or about five percent. No, actually, about six or seven books from different like younger. And I talked to a couple. Um, I got their cards, Joey. So you know, we talked about you know potentially you them, them. You blew it. You know, that's an that's an exchange that has to happen. You know? Well, I got information. So we're talking about them coming on the show and and then talking about their work because I you know to to further Melissa's point, the objective here is to give them a platform to be able to reach other people and and get you know, get these things seen. Just the quality of this work. It's, it's, it's really, really good. The art is really, really good. The covers, I mean, this one book called the deadly, the deadliest bouquet, which is basically mm. about these daughters of a woman who was, a uh, uh, she hunted down Nazis. Um, oh. and now someone's killed her. And so now they've got to avenge her death. I'm loving it. Um, yeah. the, they, this book, like this independently made book had like four variant covers. <laughs> Oh my god! Like, I love that. I'm like, okay, um, I'm here, and let me just get all of them. I got the trade and the individual issues of the awesome. and the variant. I got a couple <laughs> variant covers. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So yeah, I was just like, uh, I gotta cool. get out of this row. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. They had a yeah. whole stand of Golden Girl stuff, by the way. I had to. Oh my god, there was so much Golden wow. Girl stuff. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, were those? Was that <laughs> troop there that was there at the Comic Con? So no. I know, I know. They, they had, um, I almost bought individual, I, I really, really thought about it, individual Golden Girl plushies. They had little pillows. <gasps> so cute. But I also have a dog who would kill them. Yeah. So, like, I can't watch someone destroy Sophia. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I think the best thing I found, this was also the first booth I went to where I immediately dropped money and then had to leave that aisle <laughs> because um, I found an art book by uh, Kelly Rowena called Haunts. And literally what she did is she had people send her pictures of houses that they believe to be haunted and the story behind it. And she turned them into art pieces that capture the haunting story. And it oh. is so lovely and so weird and delightful. Um, so that was probably my favorite thing I found. <laughs> my favorite bad pun that I had to buy because it was a bad pun was I got a ship in a bottle, but instead of it being a boat, it is a, a ship, like a fan fiction ship. <laughs> oh. So it's a little bottle and it has uh, Loki and Mobius <laughs> from the Loki show in it. <laughs> and then I got the uh, Robins 15 variant cover that has the ace flag on it with Connor Hawk. And I got it signed by Len Yoshi. So those were my big takes this weekend. That's big. Great. That's awesome. What a weekend. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So flamey enough for you? Mm -hmm. It was it was flamey? Great. Awesome. Lots of cool. flames everywhere. Lots of, Lots flames. of flames. Fantastic. All right. Breaking 
news. <laughs> just kidding. It's not breaking news. It's just the poll results from last week. Um, and, you know, I wasn't going to read them, but the number was just so entertaining. I had to. Pineapple on pizza. The yays have it at 69%. Uh, nice. Oh, nice. I will hey. also tell you, we had pizza this weekend with hot honey on it. Hot honey rules. Yeah, we got it uh, someplace on 50s, like right down the street. What was it? Like 10 or 10 or something or other. Um, It's right down the street from the con. So, yeah. Uh, And apparently Steve put another poll up on the Twitter uh, that I did not know happened, but it was uh, Professor Hulk versus Smart Hulk as a name. Oh, and uh, Professor Hulk beats Smart Hulk at 90%. Yeah, now, for those that don't really get the reference, Smart Hulk is uh, in the next thing that we're going to talk about, which is the She-Hulk show. Um, so it was Smug I Hulk, but that- we, didn't get, we didn't give that as an option. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Correct. Um, so let's, that's my way of segueing. that's what just happened there, to a conversation about... She-Hulk episode one. Uh, She-Hulk premiered on Disney Plus this past week on Thursday, for those that uh, are keeping keeping score. Um, quickly, just created by Jessica Gao, directed by Kat Koiro, starring Tatiana Maslany. Uh, this episode was had a lot of your boy Mark Ruffalo in it as well. Um, uh, we'll go around the table, just get kind of general reactions um, on the show. I personally freaking loved it. I had a great time. Um, the So to kind of get ready and gear up for She-Hulk, I've been reading a lot of the Dan Slot run, um, both like the, the first like half volume that he did and then like the pickup uh, during um, Civil War, I suppose. Um, and... Uh, I love it. And I'm really glad I read the Dan Slot run because I think this draws a lot from that. Um, I think Tatiana Maslany is fantastic. I've been a huge fan of her since Orphan Black. Um, and I've always a, a big Ruffalo Banner fan too. I thought the show was great. Great sense of humor. Great energy. Great place to start as well. Um, but Bob, I'd love to know what you think since you're such a big She-Hulk fan. Absolutely loved it. It was everything I wanted it to be. It is a lot of the slot run. You, you've got some of the burn and the Peter David thrown into. There are some changes because they're blending the comics and the MCU, but they do it in a way that takes out one of the things that made Jen a victim back when she was the savage She-Hulk. So good on them that I loved Orphan Black. I didn't know Tatiana Maslany had such great comedy chops. Absolutely (laughs) incredible. Filled with sass, and yet when you need to make a a dramatic statement, we'll get into it with more specifics a little later, she's sitting there having a talk with Bruce and just lays it all out there, and it's, yeah, okay, go for it. Mm -hmm. Loved the idea, loved, of course, and, and there are people who don't know enough, who haven't gone back to look at this, who are, oh, she's just doing Deadpool. It's, you know, the, the bros who are review bombing before it came out. Yes. Well, why don't you try reading a book and understand <laughs> that, you know, John Byrne was doing this 40 years ago, all right? Yeah. It's part yeah. and parcel of why the character has worked all these years. It was there. There's a one particular one where she turns to the camera, as does Bruce, and it's like, who are they talking to? It's like, well, it's us. And it's just absolutely wonderful. You 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 break into it right away with her talking to us, getting us all ready. You blend the lawyer stuff. It's just a lot of fun. If you know the character, it's great. If you don't, it's a great intro. 
Uh, yeah, I think it, I think immediately you know what this mm-hmm. is. You know, the, the lawyer show stuff, the humor, the stuff with Bruce is fantastic. Um, Chris and Aaron, I know you were away all weekend, but did you all have a chance to, to check out the pilot? Yeah. Cool, go ahead, Chris. Oh, thanks to my co-host getting food poisoning, I got a chance to watch a lot of stuff. But um, She-Hulk was one of them. But um, it was delightful. Absolutely. I, I really liked it. I thought it was very fun. Um, I'm. It made me excited to see the rest of it. I don't understand any of the criticism except for I do think she should be beefier. I, I'm still mad about that. But, here, you uh-huh. know, oh, it's OK. She just has a tiny, tiny waist and she only grew two inches, but it's OK. At least her hair grew a foot. Um, yeah. <laughs> that bothered me a lot. Why is she not beefy? But uh, that my thirstiness aside, um, <laughs> the show was very, very good. Um, I hate the smart banner stuff i don't i don't like smart hulk he annoys me a lot just generally you don't like smart hulk or just like (sighs) yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) you're like it's like how steve has this like 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 undying hatred for uh-huh. baby Groots. Yeah. You have that for <laughs> I do. I find him so annoying. Um, but I've I kind of been that way with Banner over the course of the MCU. Like I liked him at first and he steadily got more annoying to me until we're at mm. this point where I'm like, I'm so glad he's leaving the show and we can get to the good stuff. Yeah. Um, though I yeah. was very amused by how deeply, madly, and truly in love with Tony he was. That was unexpected. <laughs> their little hearts, their little name hearts carved the into the bar. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> but no, yeah. it was great. It was delightful. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Aaron, did you get a chance to watch it? I did, actually. I agree with everything, oh, everything that was said. You can bite me, all right? Uh <laughs> Listen, let's just look a little background there. Friday, we were at the bar, and Aaron was like, I don't watch anything anymore. I got no time. I just don't. All I do is sleep and work. So I made a choice. I literally made a choice that night. I was like, I can get up and go out to this ball. Um, That's what you were doing instead of partying with me and Steve Orlando? I was like, and wear myself down. Or I can recognize that I'm an old man now, and I should probably take a nap. So Meanwhile, I, took a nap. I was doing body shots off Steve Orlando's boyfriend and you didn't count that. That's <laughs> a joke. That is a joke for the record. You know, however unsanitary that might be. It's I a pandemic. I, you know, You're right. We, so, we, san- we like sanitize the areas of the body first. Come on. This got very clinical and I'm going to move on. I'm just going to say, but I um, – Opted then. I just sort of hung out in the room and got some food. And, you know, I went back out. You know, it's New York, so I went back out. But I came back in the room, got some food. I was still up. And I was like, yeah, we just watched a bunch of these shows. And so I did. And it was great. So I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's interesting because in talking to Carolyn and Melissa, I think Carolyn shared your concerns, um, Chris, about her being beefier. She really, really wanted her to be beefier um, and bigger um, just to, you know, for the exact same reasons, just to be, to be clear. Um, I really like the relationship between Jen and Bruce. I I really like, you know, that they were spending time together. I get that, you know, because of everything that happened, they hadn't been. And, you know, that relationship that's there. I, I, I like that she was placed as sort of like a constant, not a constant, but like it it wasn't this sort of like, okay, I have to mend fences with my, my cousin type thing. So it was sort of like, it, it gave, it gave it room to be a joyful, you know, relationship, even, you know, with there was stress there. Um, So I really enjoyed that. I think the only thing, there's only two things about the show that bothered me a little. 
One was that that was too short. <laughs> one, it was I, short. I wanted more of the episode. <laughs> um, that was one. And then the other is I don't – this is going back to what you were saying, Bob, about the dude bros. I don't think the fight between them was necessary. And here's why. Um, because I don't want the dude bros to – eventually sit down and say, I told you, she's, of course she's going to be stronger than her. And he's going to be, and just take away from, it just kind of, it seemed as, I know it was there because you want to be able to show, you know, that action that keeps the dude bros engaged. They just want to see someone get punched. I get it. Um, I didn't feel as though the argument they were having was, because she's able to control herself, was necessary to go that far and have them like, mm-hmm. not, unless they had shifted it to be more comedic which, you know, would have made more sense to me. But um, but it was brief, and honestly, it didn't really take away. I just really loved the breath of fresh air that the show yeah. seems to to give to the MCU. Because this goes back to what we were saying earlier, Joey, about, um, well, on Friday, that some of these other shows had no connection to the um, to the, the event at all. Well, this one does. This one mm-hmm. has a, a definite connection to the event, but still found a way to be its own thing and, and funny and not tragic and et cetera, et cetera. So I enjoyed it. I give it a thumbs up. I'm looking forward to the next one. Maybe if they were just a little longer. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to be. I yeah. think they're all going to be about 20, 22 minutes. Um, I do think to Chris's point, which is very interesting. I think that, um, I think that Ruffalo did most of his bit in this episode. And I, and I was reading an interview with um, just Gao and she was saying like, yeah, we were originally going to save the Bruce stuff and the origin story for like episode eight, but then they kind of reshot and redid it for episode one, which I'm, I'm glad they did. Yeah. Um, Me too. Because I think to Bob's point too, I think like this episode does everything it needs to, to introduce uh-huh. you to the origin story and move us into whatever it's going to be, you know? Um, Obviously, we can talk like kind of minor spoilers. I don't want to give kind of too much away, especially some of the bigger punchlines, if you will, um, especially the big one. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, spoiled everywhere. It's pretty crazy. But um, <laughs> about Steve, is it the one about Steve Rogers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's like it was even in the marketing. It's crazy yeah, yeah. to me how they they like immediately upon release, they're like, and here's this video, ha ha ha. Um, but uh, I I think that the the thing that I'm most interested about, again, as someone who's been reading the the lawyery comic booky stuff, is I'm nervous about it kind of being cameo of the week, kind of. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's what's going to end up happening because to some degree the, the comic was kind of like that too, but they were able to draw this longer story. So I'm hoping that that comes in the next couple of episodes i don't know we also have nine episodes with this one um and it is kind of going to be more sitcom-y 20 25 minute episodes but um, and they address it in one of the uh, one of the clips they're showing as a trailer for upcoming episodes the show isn't going to be cameo of the week as she turns to the camera it is oh oh, except for bruce yeah and there's blonsky yeah and there's wong oh oh yeah oh forget it yeah (laughs) (laughs) so they're they're gonna go for it they're gonna just tell you yeah I wonder what the bigger arc is going to be. If it is going to be something like gearing up for Thunderbolts or like some kind of Hulkbuster thing. There is some stuff going on with uh, some Sakarian so-and-so rolling up on the planet uh, doing some some Hulk stuff. And again, I'm I'm at the stage in Slots Run where we're at World War Hulk. So we'll see where that goes. Um, But yeah, I don't know. This, This show could either be 
either be just like its own little thing for nine episodes, funny, like mm-hmm. sitcom, humor, law show, have a good time. Or it could set up like the hugest, most like groundbreaking, earth shaking, like alien invasion type stuff is going to happen. So I, I'm really eager to see what happens next. Ruffalo, because he always does, semi spoiled something about her being in the Avengers. Nah, how <laughs> accurate it is, but he, he went there. Um, Chris, to your point about uh, Smart Hulk, he, he does get a little annoying here. It just in general, he does some, I don't know what you call it, Hulk splaining to Jen. Oh, God. That sure get, does. That, yeah. get, that gets a little bit much. And then he she finally turns around. I won't read the entire quote because people should. Mm-hmm. Get, but where she describes how she's great at controlling her anger, I do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think we could get deep, deep into the gender dynamics about how women, especially women lawyers, are not allowed to be angry. Um, There's literally been a study about women versus male lawyers um, in in the psychology field that found that men who get angry as a lawyer are considered passionate and women are considered bitches. That was the actual term in the paper. Um, So, you know, that makes perfect sense for a character. It makes sense that that was the plot. I think it's just sometimes like characters personalities get switched to fit what needs to be said like the point of an episode and it really felt like they were like what if he's so much more of a tool than usual so we can make this point yeah but i don't I know that i needed it, that i think it, <laughs> smug smug hulk worked for me it, smug yeah. Hulk, I like. yeah i love but but all of what you said all of what you both said is true and i think that that it, like it partly there's that moment in Endgame mm. where he freaking like he's like he's like looking at the stones and he's like it's like I was made for this and I'm like all right okay Bruce Banner so, like okay so no, smug I agree he is supposed to fucking suck is what <laughs> okay got it no I Go agree ahead. it worked for me for the reasons that you called it it worked for me for two reasons one it it kind of made sense that he's like, all right, well, I've just spent the last 15 years of my life going through all this stuff, so I wrote it all down for you, my cousin that I love. So it makes sense that it's fueled by a little bit of that, but then also it makes sense to give her, the character, not Jeb, but the character, an opportunity to shut him down, you know, and establish, I I don't really need all that. It's like, whatever you went through, I'm not going through, I got this covered. Watch me go back into my real world. But it makes sense that there's that push-pull there because, you know, he's lived in a space for 15 years where everything about this power has been unstable and out of his control. And he's not he will not have this expectation that she's not going to have to experience that. And he's also got right. this guilt of exposing her to it all yeah. in the first place. So it kind of worked for and me. I do, not- I do see what you guys are saying about him being smug, but I'm just saying, I think it worked for what needed to be yeah. done in this episode. Oh, okay. No, yeah. That makes sense. And if we, if we want to like really dig into it, he's been around the worst possible examples of, of humility mm-hmm. for like so many years. He was not learning it from his apparently husband, Tony. So. Exactly. <laughs> Hanging exactly. Out. Yeah. And the, 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 that, that, Difference, and I've watched the episode. I think four times. Well, you beat me. I was at three. I thought I was good. Four is better. I I like three and a half. Like I was watching it before, um, and I stopped like twenty minutes in just because I had to do the show. But um, the the the, like they they literally say 
or she literally says like, I am different from you like mm, two or three yes. times mm-hmm. in this episode. So I think that this episode does a lot of things in terms of giving us the origin story, setting up the parameters of the show, but also both affirming the relationship that she has with Bruce, but, but reaffirming in a lot of ways that, yeah, even though she's also a Hulk, as she says, it is a different iteration, which is also the book, like the She Hulk book, has also all sorry has always tonally, thematically been different than any of the Hulk books, mm-hmm. you know, um, for any of the reasons that we've already been talking about. And I think that this show does a really great job in the pilot episode of of setting that up. So, um, so one of the questions I have, Bob, because I don't have as much background, one of the things I'm accustomed to seeing in every iteration of Jen that I, I have read is that she loves being a Hulk. Yeah, um, that goes that goes back to a fellow named Roger yeah. Stern, who amazingly his name isn't listed in the credits in the thank yous. Which oh. kind of annoyed me. But he he had come up with the idea in the Avengers that Jen was just gonna love doing that. And then it was John Byrne, who was his close friend, just ran with it. And it's, I think that's going to come. I yeah, think that's going to come. You can see her. You can see her strutting a little bit as She-Hulk. There's a, a real difference to her walk that is sort of like, I got this. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, just what you're saying, it'll definitely. I think as we move further and further in, some of the clips we've seen. Uh, though I think at some point there's a there's a support group she goes to that looks absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the. The last thing that we'll talk about before we move into some lightning rounds is um, I I just want to say, too, that one of the initial reactions to the show's trailers way back when was the the CGI Mm -hmm. uh, on on She-Hulk. Now, I knew then and we talked about on the show and and, you know, I I watched some stuff on on YouTube and stuff that like explaining like, okay, like all you people that are like reacting so negatively to this, that's obviously coming from a certain place for most of you. Uh And (laughs) we're going to get into that. But for those that are actually coming at from like a technical standpoint, like bro, you're watching it on YouTube, which has a compression rate and that's lowering the quality of the blah, blah, blah. Watching it on Disney plus on my television, the CG is fantastic. Like it looks great. The the layers of it, everything looks fantastic. Um, especially for like a TV show. And there's some interviews with, again, with, I've been reading a lot with Jess Gow because I think she's great and does a great job talking up the show. And she says like, you know, we had to work around a budget, you know, and, and it's not, it's not end game. It's not Avengers. She's not working with $300 million. You know, she's got a TV budget essentially bigger than maybe modern family or whatever, but, um, she's got a TV budget. So some scenes had to be reworked with Jen. And I think that, um, I think the CG looks fantastic. I thought that the, the, the fight necessary or not looked really good <laughs> between the two of them. Um, so yeah, that, that's just the last thing I wanted to bring up for people that are like, well, yeah. you know, there's CGI on it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that is a, it's like a feat Listen, that they were able to do this. If you want me to have yeah. conversations about CGI, I'll talk about paper girls, but never mind. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta say, She-Hulk is one of these shows, and this happens in comics all the time, where I have like little gripes about it, but I feel bad saying them because you say them and then somebody, some dude bro is like, yeah, it sucks. And I'm like, no, 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 not yeah, right. sit down. Uh, we are not having the same conversation. Yeah. I have little gripes, but the show is amazing and the you know feminist and awesome and wonderful. <laughs> and you know, I, I just want to clarify that I actually loved it. I just had little things about it that bugged me. Yeah, I have two credity um, things to talk about that won't be a spoiler for post-credit sequences. There's a mystery, <laughs> Bob, and then we'll move on. 
And did you notice in the opening Marvel logo credits, Jane Foster appears as Thor? I did. Yes. <laughs> Very happy to see that. And I love Girl. that the the end credit, the technical credits are done as courtroom drawings. Yeah, those were cool. Yeah. I love that. I I want to know if She-Hulk has theme music though, and they use the the Who's That Girl? By Evia, like, that was that, great for the credits. <laughs> yeah, and it was fun, and I was singing along with it and everything. But I want to know if She-Hulk has a theme. Um, mm, that's a good yeah. question. You always notice when yeah. they when they point at things that are supposed to remind you of the Avengers, they play the Avengers music, uh, like even not even like a whole right. like bar, but like yeah, just just enough so that you know. Yeah, this is referencing the Avengers. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. She looked at that helmet, and I heard yeah. it. I was yep. like, yep. Okay, there, yep. it is. <laughs> there it is. Just in case, just in case we had to trigger that memory that was deeply buried. In exactly. There. Yeah, it does activate. I just it watched does. the. Um, I watched the. Uh, what's it, the, what's it called? There's the. The Game of Thrones show. What's it called? Game of Dragons. I don't know. Something like that. House, House, of, Dragons. House, House of Dragons. House of Dragons. Okay. House of Dragons. So I just watched that <laughs> first episode, and it's the same thing. Like, just like in the middle of an episode, it'll be like, bum, 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 bum. and I'm like, there it is. Like, I just like my 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 hackles go up or whatever. <laughs> like, it's like Wait, there it is. What was on this Boom. weekend? Uh, Civil War was on in that opening scene where Wanda, you know, does her thing, and I was like, see, yes. we should have known then. <laughs> I mean, yeah anyone who didn't know then was like okay yeah, <laughs> right. <have> known. exactly <laughs> honestly yeah. uh, Actually, uh, all right. one, one more joke oh, just Bob. to say you'd, you'd appreciate this it had me go back and watch the Edward Norton Hulk which I know we both like more than most other people I, I love I the Edward Norton Hulk I like it better than the other one yeah. It's it's totally good. I, I mean, it's not great, but <laughs> it is it is it is pulpy B movie yeah. like goofiness, and I love it. I like yeah. him as Banner. I really, really do. I just feel yeah. like Eric Banner just has a limited personality. Oh no, no, not him. Oh, We're talking about the Edward Norton. Oh. No, no, no. I agree. That's yeah. what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. I, I, that's what yeah. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like Edward Norton. Aaron wanted to talk shit about Eric Bana. He, so he, he, no, he, no, he did great. <laughs> he did great I, as an emotionalist Romulan in the Star Trek movies. That's where they should have left him. But no, <laughs> okay. I just watched. Um, what was that with Sorcerer uh, Hannah? Uh, that yes, he's very good in that. And it, it because it worked because he ha- only had to have one range. <laughs> you know, yeah. Wasn't movie. he the original? God. He was the original time traveler of, of time traveler's wife, right? Yeah, I think he I was. Uh, he was in in the one with um the, the one that wasn't a TV show. <laughs> is it, is it <laughs> Rachel McAdams? Who's the, who's the Rachel McAdams? Yeah. Yes. It's so creepy. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he did a great job being a creeper in that movie. <laughs> anyway, She Hulk. Oh yeah, what are we talking about? Check it out. Episode two drops Thursday. I will definitely be uh, watching it at seven a.m. again. You remember when you um, told us not to tangent? Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> It's all it's all connected. Eric Banner was in Hulk, which is connected to Edward Norton's Hulk, which now we're off of the Hulk, and now we're on. <laughs> Bob, would you like to go first? Sure. Okay. Is there an alarm this week? Uh, I can make one. No, it's one. okay. I think I'll be fine. So, mostly quick hitters this week, uh, including Elvira in Horrorland number three, which is the next stop on the Mistress of the Dark's tour through classic horror films. This time, it has Elvira on the Nostromo and just in time for lunch. It's, <laughs> an, it's another enjoyable issue by David Avalon, uh, Sylvia Califano, Walter Pereira, and Taylor Esposito. Again, it'll be a great trade when we get to that. 
Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor, number three. Torn Grunbeck, Michael Dowling, Jesus Arbatov, Joe Sabino. The Seas of Asgard continues as the masked ladies, or she gathers even more allies, just as Jane is hoping to do in her quest to find Thor Odin's son. It's uh, all over the place. It's, uh, and I just hope this leads to more Jane Foster by, by Torn Grunbeck, because it's been an amazing ride through various universes. Catwoman 46 by Teeny Howard, Sami Basri, Vicente Cisfuentes, Jordi Belair, and I could not find the letterer because it's in such tiny, tiny print. So I apologize to the letterer of this book who I still can't see it. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm getting out my magnifying glass. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, DC, for not printing things in English or in right enough letters. It is... Lucas Gattoni. There we go. Now I feel better. Anyway, it's, it, it brings a major thread of this arc to a close, and with issues that is mostly conversation, and yet totally brilliant and action-packed. Loving what Teeny Howard is doing here. Captain Marvel 40, Kelly Thompson, Alvaro Lopez, Juan Frigari, Jordi Belair, and Clayton Cowles is part three of Trials, where Carol is facing judgment from a tribunal of mystics, one of whom is a more the Enchantress, who's seeking something more on the order of vengeance. This leads to some fingers on the scales of justice, with Amora and Wanda each taking a shot at tipping the balance. There's a double cliffhanger to this one, and it features the return of a very special character, one I've been missing a lot in this series. Strange number five, Jed McKay, Marcello Ferreira, Roberto Poggi, Jaina Tartaglia, and Corey Pettit teases a return, but I won't say one way or the other. Now, what I will say is that I think this series has gotten strong with each issue. Jed McKay's handling of Clea has been very clever, and as he showcased her strength and sass too. Supporting characters have all had their moments as well, with Moon Knight taking a co-starring role this time around. I know I've said this before, but Strange, it's a really lovely sidebar trip into this mystic universe, and this will also be a wonderful trade route to take once it's available somewhere you know, a year from now because it's Marvel. Finally, Ms. Marvel Moon Knight, Jody Hauser, Ibrahim Roberson, Eric Arseniega, and Travis Lanham. This continues the story from the Ms. Marvel Wolverine book, but takes it into darker territory. We get uh, the mechanical murder hornets from last time have been, well, upgraded to a horde of robotic rats that are terrorizing Moon Knight's neighborhood and figuring out about this, well, Go right to Google, right? That's, that's what Kamala does. So it, it works itself out, sort of. Jody Hauser is just doing fine work on capturing Kamala's spirit through these two issues. And I wouldn't mind seeing her take a shot at an ongoing Ms. Marvel series if they ever get that chance again. Oh. That is it for me. Oh, no. um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those uh, uh those those robot rats were a little uh a little too much for really? me there i was like oh that's gross um i was so if you recall last week i was mad that i read the ms marvel x-men and i was like that was great and uh now i have to read ms marvel Night? Night? What the hell? <laughs> um but you know uh i <laughs> I do like the Moon Knight character and I've been reading a little bit more and I, I rewatched Oscar Isaac Moon Knight um, over the weekend in, in one sitting. And it all, all those Marvel shows, by the way, if you watch them just like beginning to end, they're freaking fantastic. Oh, like great. any of like the little flaws they are wonderful. But anyway, um, 
I did not know what to expect reading this issue. I agree with you, Jody Hauser. Kamala Khan, I think, is so good. Um, Moon Knight felt a little kind of blank to me. I, I wasn't getting a lot of character from him um, there. Uh, but I love the artwork. I love the storyline. I'm eager to see where it goes. The next one is Ms. Marvel. Venom. Venom, which is just like, again, it's like, what the hell is happening? But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm particularly taken with the art. I think the artwork is really fantastic. Um, I think it's really carrying this little crossover, whatever we want to call this story, uh, through. Um, and yeah, I love seeing Kamala Khan in books. And I'm really like, why it doesn't, what, like, what happened to the solo series? Yeah. What's going on here? I, it's, it's blowing my mind. Um, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> Uh, Aaron, did you read some of Bob's books? Yeah, I checked out Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number three. I really, really just love this book. I love the the dichotomy uh, between her and Runa from the previous book. Um, I love that it's still happening here and that they're each being given, you know, such character and such strength. And just to see what Jane is able to do uh, with not just with her weapons, but although that was pretty badass yes you know, it's the thing that she was able to do with her weapons but with her her mind and her resolve um it's just you know but also to still be able to see that she's being driven by this love that she has for this character that for for thor you know just the you know the fear and the anxiety uh and the you know sadness of not knowing you know, where he is, um, just the way that's being written, I just think is beautiful. I really, I'm really enjoying this book. I really, again, I said it before, I think Jane Foster is probably one of my favorite characters in the, in the Marvel universe. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. No, we were, I guess we, at, at some level when it was Jason Aaron and, and Torin sharing the book and you couldn't, it was, it was hard to sort of parse out who was doing what after mm-hmm. having read, the, the Valkyrie series and now this, you can see all the heart that was in the mm-hmm. chain sections of that book were right from, from, uh, agree. Ms. Gronbach. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's great. I got to catch up with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on any of Bob's books? All right. Chris, you're up. I'm missing my cue tonight. <laughs> uh, okay. Got it. <laughs> No, it's continuing. Anyway, uh, so this, I didn't have a chance to read terribly much this week because of all the con and such, but I did get a chance to read some webtoons and I read, uh, first up, The House of Lothar is how I would say that, I think. Um, So House of Lothar is this really fun, kind of creepy black and white story that's kind of a mix between being super camp and horror. Um, and basically this, this girl gets a job being a maid at this hospital. She thinks it's a mental hospital, but she's not allowed to meet any of the patients. Um, but she is curious. So she starts kind of going places she's not supposed to go. And she discovers it's not a mental hospital. It is a safe house for cryptids. 
I know. <laughs> it's delightful. So there's like a werewolf. There's the Jersey Devil. There's a chupacabra. Like they're all just running about in this place being taken care of because they are endangered in the world, basically. Um, and she starts to have this <laughs> enemies to lovers journey with a wolf man that is delightful to watch. <laughs> So, you know, all the monster fuckers out there get on this one. Um, <laughs> totally different, like going way opposite side. I also read Ladies of the Night. That's night with a K. Uh, this one is an incredibly fun fantasy kind of medieval type setting where all of the knights in this kingdom are women. Uh, many of them queer women and the main character is this adorable little farm girl who has no muscles and no skills but she wants to become a knight and she starts training under these two lesbian knights and it is delightful it's non-stop fun it's adorable so fully recommend uh, but the big thing from this week for me was that I doubled the amount of new movies I have seen this year, which sounds impressive unless you listen to a previous episode where I admitted that was only two. Uh, <laughs> now I've watched three additional for a total of five. <laughs> I know. <laughs> One of them was TJ and I went to see in Times Square. We went to see uh, League of oh, Super God. Pets. I know. We went to the big theater. Um, we went to see League of Super Pets and it was delightful. It is truly the best, um, the best Justice League movie that has been made yet. There, I'm saying <laughs> it. Is that a low bar? Yes. But it more than crosses it. For me, it is up there with like Lego Batman, which is my favorite superhero movie of all time. So this one's like right up there with for me. Um, it's so clever. It is fully appropriate for kids, but... Uh, the other upper level, if you're watching it as an adult, you get to catch all these references to comics and these little jokes. The headlines that are happening on the news in the background are hilarious. The signs and billboards and stuff are all references to comics. It is the joke density in this movie is, like I said, Lego Batman level. Like you're laughing the entire time. The story is very basic, but it doesn't really it's not. I want to say like the plot's not important, <laughs> but it kind of isn't important in this story. Like it's it's real basic. You're going to know where it's going. But the important part is all the character dynamics and how they nail every character in it. Like the Keanu Reeves Batman is so perfect. There's a scene where he and Ace the Bat Hound are both discussing their tragic backstories yes. in this like quick panning scene where it's going back and forth between them being dark and brooding together. And it is so funny. <laughs> and the Lois Lane is perfect. It's hard to make a perfect Lois Lane because she's so good in the comics that no one really reaches her. But this Lois Lane is perfect. Nice. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Bob, I understand you saw it too. Yes, I, I was waiting for some lightning. Oh, sorry. No. I don't know we had to do lightning after every yes. everything. Yes, yes. Oh, damn. You can't sh- switch it now because that's why I missed my cue. Anyway, go ahead, Bob. Oh, no. All right. no, I, I loved it as well. It is that sort of... It is for kids. It is there, yes. but there's so much for comic fans and just grown-ups in general if, if you want to take yeah. your kid to something you'll get a big kick out of it too at the end of the day there are some jokes for you that'll be over their heads some oh, yeah. references will be over their heads but it's fun superhero stuff and the the regular characters are done well the whole ending sequence when the, the super mm-hmm. pets have saved everything literally yeah 
Spoiler alert, I guess. Yeah, sorry. But <laughs> oh, yeah, because you wouldn't to. see that it's coming. Been out for, it's been out for like a month yeah. at this point. Oh, I'm, I'm joking. It's not like it's, it could have ended any other way. Yes. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> they they live. League of Super Pets ends with them all. Euthanized, <laughs> yes. Surprise, <laughs> they all oh, die. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then Black God. Adam comes. I saw it myself. So, okay, yeah. but like, can we say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black, Black Adam is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, go ahead. No, you can't say that because The Rock put it on his own Instagram the day, okay. day after the movie dropped. I was dropped. dying because we, you know, obviously we're talking about that last week, how they were like forcing the Black Adam and everything. And I was watching this movie and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Bob. Oh, it's it, it just the bonding moments between the heroes. Yeah. And so is that Batman thing? So the Wonder Woman. Yes. I loved. And it, oh, it's just. Just so good. The people who created this achieved their mission 100% as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And the Green Lantern in it is Jessica Cruz, my favorite yes. Green Lantern. I was so oh, happy. Nice. Yeah, it was real good. Ugh. I also just loved that the Aquaman was clearly like Jason Momoa's Aquaman, and they were they were <laughs> making fun of that because he has this whole thing where all he says is, I'm Aquaman for like most <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> Gave him a oh. catchphrase, which makes you know, sure, yeah. just go for it, just go, go crazy. Keanu Reeves should play Batman for he real. Should. He should. He was so good at it. He's genuinely brought so much to that role. I loved it. Ugh. Every time I see Keanu Reeves, I think, whoa. I don't know. I just always. <laughs> that's always what whoa. I associate with him. Yeah. Whoa. Exactly. See, the Always Be My Maybe has reassociated him in my brain to just be oh. the song I Punched Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> I downloaded the entire, I downloaded their like album, yeah, Always so Be good. My Maybe. It's, it's so, so good. good. Um, every time you describe any webtoon, yes. every, every sentence is a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Like ever, like I never know what the next word or idea is gonna be when you're describing any of the, the particularly the first one with the, the uh, House of Luther, Lothar. Yes, loved it. Loved uh, you it, loved know, it. I think that's what's so fun about webtoons is they aren't like in the um, like I don't want to say they're not cliche ever, but they're not in the tropes that we are so used to in comics quite as much. And so you really are just like, what's going to happen in this? I have no idea. Um, so. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. Um, I got to watch League of Super Pets. You got to watch League of it. Super Pets. It's so I'm kind of like on an anti-rock kick. I so get like, it. I'm just like. I do get that. And Kevin Hart's kind of annoying in this movie, too. And he's, annoying. he's an annoying character. So but he's an annoying character, yeah. so that does It works. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's on my list. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely watch Do it. Do it. It's delightful. Um, cool. What were the other two movies? Um, so I also watched, oh God, I have to actually remember now. This was during the day of <laughs> TJ being sick and me just trying to give him fluids all day. But I watched Day Shift, which, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> Did he even say that movie? No, the trailer's it was crazy. I can't. <laughs> It was so dumb. I loved it. Yeah. Right? Okay, like the first 
first 30 minutes of that movie are the most boring thing ever. I was like, this is so basic. I don't care. And then all of a sudden, and you you, you saw it, Joey, so you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah. There's a yeah. moment when the two vampire hunter twins spit like gum garlic into each other's mouths and everything yes. from that point forward is so unhinged. Like yes, <laughs> yeah. he just goes off. <laughs> I don't know that yeah. I would say I liked it, but I do think everyone should watch it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I turn it on like, uh, like that's a lot of Jamie Foxx movies are like yes. that, to be honest. Yes. Um, and also Dave Franco movies are yes. like that too, where I'm just They're like, weirdos. this is going to be, yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> And um, I got to say, I felt exactly the same way. I was watching this and I was like, what the hell kind of like, it's not Abraham Lincoln vampires. No, no, like no, I, no. I, I, Vampire Hunter. I love that movie yes. so much. It's great. Um, there is a moment in that movie though, where they like go into like the Hunter lounge or whatever. And Abraham Lincoln is on the wall and I'm like, all right, yeah. I can get behind this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I agree. It is. It, there's a moment where, where those action heroes roll in spit some garlic and you know do it some roundhouse kicks was so unhinged and the fact the fact that every vampire in it is a contortionist was so, yes <laughs> i was like why is this happening but it was taking the sickest bumps on those tables it was <laughs> there was a lot of like what if i put a knife to your throat but then my buddy here kicks that knife through your head like, yeah, and we and we totally like buried the lead here. Snoop Dogg is in this Snoop movie Dogg in like is so good in this movie <laughs> in like a key role in a key role in this film. Snoop Dogg is playing um, Snoop Dogg, but Vampire Hunter. There's like no change in personality whatsoever, but it worked so well. <laughs> yeah, My, everything about this movie is just mind boggling. It um, it's worth checking out for sure. I um, you know, speaking of things you can't predict, uh, we were sitting there trying to predict it. We we're like, this is going to be so obvious. And then I, I think you'll remember the big twist with like Dave Franco's character happened. And I was like, huh. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally unexpected. I could not have imagined in my wildest dreams that would happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's when I perked up. Yeah. I was, you know, I was on my phone. I was eating a sandwich, Same. whatever. And then that happened. And I was like, Look, okay. I was like, God damn, I guess I pay attention now. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You got me. You got me, Jamie Foxx. Right. Um, um, I also, much worse movie, believe it or not. <laughs> I watched Look Both Ways, which is the rom com that Netflix just put out, uh, which I think maybe is a like teens don't get pregnant, like PSA disguised as a movie. I didn't realize. But it was. Who was in it? It's Lily Reinhardt from Riverdale. And oh. I'm very invested in these kids' careers post Riverdale. Like, I want to know what happens to them all next. So I was like, I've got to watch this movie. It was wow. genuinely so bad. <laughs> it was a They got Nia Long and Luke Wilson to be in this I movie? Know, and wow. Luke Wilson is, like, great at this movie, but he has about ten lines. So it's not, like, don't watch it for Luke Wilson. But uh, <laughs> it's trash. Like, it's trash. <laughs> Um, but I did watch the whole thing. And then the actually, apparently I watched three. I thought I watched, oh no, I watched four. You guys, I more than doubled. I tripled my movie intake this week. Because I also watched Black Phone. Does anyone watch Black Phone yet? Oh, the Ethan Hawke movie? Yes. Was it really scary? It was so scary. It was so uh, good though. Not on my list. Fair. Not on my list. It's in <sighs> any of you who have kids, I think this might be a difficult movie. Just throwing it out there. Um, especially little ones. Great. So just throwing it out there. If you're very triggered by like stuff with kids, this don't don't with this movie. But if you can manage a very scary movie that has a lot of violence against children, um, 
It is. Oh, oh, oh God, it pass. does. Super does. Uh, super does. But it's like empowering. I don't know. I don't want to explain it without spoiling it. Um, it is about violence against children. Like it's talking about it in this really interesting and good way. But if you can't handle that, super pass on it. Um, it has every conceivable trigger in it, but it's really good. One of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. So you hit the AMC in Times Square twice? No, no, that one's out uh, on Oh, it's all it Peacock. is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> on that app that nobody has. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know, do a like quick week trial of Peacock and then immediately cancel it yeah. and you can watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> to like, you know, walk through the mines of Moria to find it. I know, like, oh right? god, where <laughs> Right. Um and that's fun. It's a fun movie weekend. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So yeah, I tripled my 2022, but I didn't watch very many good movies. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> it was my own fault. I was picking at random off Netflix and Peacock. So what was I expecting? <laughs> everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. That's the big I don't one. I think that's streaming I, yet, is it? It's not streaming no. anywhere like for free yeah. yet. And you know what? Honestly, Good for them. Yeah, fair. Let them make all the money because they are going to make all the money. Every dime. Let them make every penny. The movie that no one thought would would exist or be anything. Like, whatever. It's it's everything. Everywhere. Aaron? (laughs) See, I gave myself my own uh, lightning. So I have two books. I think Shaw's a Black Adam. Oh, I didn't know where that was going, but I'm glad to clean that up. But okay, <laughs> I was like yikes! I was Man. like, what? No, um, my second book, <laughs> I, my second book. I honestly, I, I was trying to remember what was the last thing I spoke about with this book, and I may be repeating myself with some things, but I'm going to do it anyway because I just felt that empowered to do so. But my first book, The Dead Lucky Number One, by a new writer, Melissa Flores, in French, Carlo Magno. Um, so uh, essentially, this is a story. It's a, it's got a couple of layers here. It's a story about a main character named Bibiana Lopez Lopez Yang, uh, who lives in Chinatown with her Chinatown San Francisco with her parents. She is a former soldier, and she's back from Afghanistan, and she's got PTSD and a little bit of survivor's remorse. And so you you get to know a little bit about her, you know, as you know you you get to listen in on her in a therapy session. Now, I think that was a good way of giving you the context in the background, but she also occasionally breaks the fourth wall, Alice She-Hulk. Um, but the way is written into the story is they can all see her doing it and they're asking her what is wrong with her when she's doing the whole breaking the fourth wall, like, who are you talking to? Are you talking to me? So it's kind of, it, it's like a, a little bit of a comedic thing in there mm-hmm. wherever she does it. Um, but she is giving background and context to uh, the reader. Um, and so you have this scenario where, you know, gangs have, crime has just gotten out of control in San Francisco and the government has abdicated their power to manage to a company called Maro. Uh, and, you know, while, while at the same time, there is this group called the Salvation Gang that is basically going through and terrorizing, you know, the residents. So obviously Maro is set up there to sort of implement a police state to, lock everything down and bring their technology and military background into Chinatown, well, into San Francisco, but this story focuses on Chinatown to protect the citizens. While, you know, you also get to see that there are uh, agents from Morrow who are visiting the citizens and trying to get them to sell their land or sell their property um, for the obvious intent of using it for something nefarious. Um, And Bibiana's parents are 
one of the remaining holdouts. Uh, and this Morrow organization basically says to them, well, you know, we are we are not going to be here much longer to protect you all. So, you know, when the Salvation Gang comes through, you're all going to be shit out of luck. Um, and so that's kind of what, you know, sort of sets the stage attention, you know, on the story. There's a couple of layers here, but there's there's a few things happening. Um, I will also say, by the way, that Bibiana has the power to control electricity. <laughs> there you go. Um, you never really understand where she got it from. I'm assuming they're going to talk about it in future issues. But honestly, it didn't quite, you know, make a difference here because I think the way they set it up, it is clear that, you know, they're going to go back and so give a little bit of backstory. They talk a little bit about her history in the military. Um, so it's clear that they're going to have this pattern of going back and giving you nuggets of information that are going to be able to expand the story. Um, I did enjoy the fact that she, you know, she's not a hero. She's not exactly an anti-hero. She is a soldier who did her job as a soldier and now and survived, didn't expect to survive, didn't. And it's not really clear whether or not she wanted to survive, but she's here. and She's trying to figure out, A, how to deal with that and B, how to acclimate back into the life um, that involves people she loves. So, um, you know, while she's wrestling with all of that, you know, because we've already heard about the Salvation Gang, of course, they have to show their ass at the end of the book. And uh, show up to create the conflict that we obviously are going to need to see to to show us who Bibiana is, and that is what happens. But it has a little bit of a unexpected turn. Uh, whereas she shows you what she has, she 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 does her thing. She to some degree saves the day, but there's a cost, um, and I think that cost is going to fuel the story moving forward um, and give a little bit more a, a little bit more complexity to the storyline there. From an art perspective, I think it is really fun and playful art. Lots of colors, very colorful, very sort of almost anime-like. Um, it's an incredibly diverse cast, um, it, it just across the board, incredibly diverse cast, um, which I also liked. Um, I think it's there's going to be, like I said, a couple of social social tones you're supposed to take from this. Um, you know, gentrification. You know, you know, violence in, in the city, and you know the all the military, the impact on, you know, you know, soldiers and how that goes on, you know, untreated. All, there's a variety of things happening. So I don't know which one or multiple ones they're going to settle on, um, but they've opened the door to quite a few of those. So um, I think it's going to be a fun story with a with a, a fun female. I'm going to just call her antihero um, that I'll, I'll, I'll pick up again. So we'll see where it goes. Like I said, this is a new writer. So I'm curious to see. You don't know what to expect. So I'm curious to see. And this is an image book. So but I'm curious to see where. This is going. Um, lastly, I'm not even going to spend a whole lot of time on this because I'm just going to get to the point that I want to really rage against. Project Superpowers, <laughs> number five. I may have talked about this. If I did, I apologize. Um, Andy Lanning, Emilio Utrera, Ron Marks, um, Dynamite. So you all know the background. I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, I had talked about this in a previous uh, episode um, and said I was just going to keep watching and, and keep reading to see what was, where this was going. Um, I will say that they had firmly planted a female character in a very significant role, um, seemed to be very, very capable in, in a lot of agency. They placed an individual, a male individual in a key role, obviously, and there didn't seem to be the upstart, didn't seem to be the central sort of I'm going to save the day type role because, you know, we're this is dynamite. So we're all kind of wondering. So I, I was hopeful that this was going to go in a place that was a little bit more diverse, a little bit different. We have this character, John Doe, who has amnesia, who basically has all the powers of the Project Superpower teams from the previous book, but you don't know why. He meets this woman 
who is trying to help him figure out who you know how that is you go through all of these iterations of him flashing back to these past experiences what you believe to be past experiences uh, that might inform why he's here today and why he can't remember anything only to find out that he is quote the hope of america the embodiment <laughs> of the hope of america and this team and in that whole final episode this strong fem- final issue rather, this strong female character is essentially a damsel in distress And he's basically got to, and he has positioned himself as the hopes and dreams of America, a land that was founded on blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you can kiss every square inch of my ass with this. What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, You took such a sharp turn there. You had just a, a story that was a superhero story that in the last issue became this full blown propaganda piece. That just basically reverse fridged a female character uh. and had this guy who is now, when he realizes who he is, draped in white and standing amidst amongst all these people who, by the way, are also supposed to represent all of America, all white men. <sighs> I, 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 was, I was just like, all right. I'm I'm out. I'm done. I can't. I'm not giving you any more shots. I'm I'm done. So just wanted to let you know, if you <laughs> see yourself veering towards Project Superpowers number five, <laughs> turn the other way. <laughs> I what? took that hit so that you don't have to. We You're appreciate welcome. it. Thank yeah. <laughs> you for your sacrifice. There you <laughs> go. So Shazadam. Yeah. Shaz- there was there was a moment oh. for dynamite some years ago where things were looking better. And that ship has sailed. Sailed. You, you had Gail Simone sort of acting as major domo, sort of overseeing what was going on, and they redid their three major licensed characters. And all of a sudden, you got a Vampirella in clothes that made sense. Mm-hmm. You had Red Sonia written by Gail and then by Marguerite Bennett. You had books that were, were a lot of fun to read. I was buying a lot of Dynamite stuff. The Masks book that uh, Alex Ross was doing. Uh, and now it's, I'm down to, I'm just reading Elvira because it's David Avalon and everything else I was reading, I'm, I am I can't. It's just, you look at these 73 variant covers for everything. It's like, oh, you know, one's worse than the other. So I can see where they would do that, Aaron, sadly. Go ahead, Joey. I'm sorry. It's the, they No, I, I was just going to kind of back you up there. I remember when they had Vita doing the James Bond yeah, books yeah. for a while, and they were so good. Um, but then they had – it was like a big editorial publishing shift, and things went south. Um, and it's hard, too, because, like, you know, kind of Aaron giving Project Superpowers a shot, like – Every once in a while, there'll be a book that they solicit, and I'm like, ooh. Exactly. But then in the back of my head, I'm like, but what's going to happen? You know, I, it, yeah, it's it's iffy. It's iffy. It's just hard to it, – it, I can't imagine what was going on in the room where they were pitching this story, and they were just like, all right, we're going to do this. It's going to be, you know – you know, very mysterious. 
you know, it's going to give you some background to the characters that people have become accustomed to. You're going to you're going to get some callbacks rather. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to shit all over it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> by making it all about these literally characters who were almost entirely not in this book. And the character who was basically the almost a hero of the book, the co-hero of the book, the female, is literally being dragged, injured, and broken. Wow. By this guy draped in a white, red, white, and blue <laughs> spandex, whatever it is. Yeah, onesie. Um, with her, the damsel and having basically been beaten, which she basically is the only reason why he knew what was going on the entire freaking book. But now she's got to be propped up. And you know, and you can see all the things behind her. It's just, it's, yeah, it's. This yeah. image made my heart palpitate. Like, scary. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would not, I would cross the street if I saw any of these men. Good lord. It's just, I just. They look uh, like they're ready to hate crime somebody. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> but wait, I got. I'm sorry, and I know this is really bad radio, but I got one more for you because oh, I really want I want you all to be able to dis, to understand my rage and discuss it so I'm, I'm putting it in the chat right now I know this is, this, is bad I'm radio. sorry is it you kind of alluded to this but is it the the last issue of the run or is this just the last issue you're going to be reading no this is the last issue of the run well I'm sorry I, the way are you serious up, I, the way it wrapped up because I, I was like oh maybe there's like an issue like another a second arc where things will be resolved you know what, I'll I double check with it because it says five of five so I, I you know what <laughs> either way the yeah. answer to your question is yes <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's yeah, the last right. one I'm reading so uh, I'm looking at the yeah. image I can oh. see that on the back of pickup trucks I really can great it's terrifying <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> so um that's yeah. what I, when I was reading this, this is when I read this and I was like, fuck no. <laughs> I was like, I am out. Not John showing up in the chat calling him Captain Confederate. <laughs> <laughs> basically, basically, I, again, I apologize to the listener. This is bad radio, but I just had to share the imagery. Yeah. If you can, I don't, I'm not even going to tell you to go get it because I don't need to see the, I just don't, just don't. Go online and look at it. Yeah, just look yeah. it up online, yeah. but don't don't purchase it. I have some questions about your other book, the good book, Dead Lucky. Yes, uh, I'm I'm loving certainly the layers you're describing. Are I mean, you want them to add more? Or it sounds like they're going to be more. It's already a very nuanced sort of characterization. Mm-hmm. Now, with the artwork, sometimes I mean, you'd expect that to be not grim and gritty, but more realistic. But sometimes if you do that in a lighter way, remember uh, Assassination Nation, which had yes, Erica Henderson yes. art with some of the most violent images of all time in a comic book. Yep. And it helps sell the, the split between them helps sell the book. And you think that's what's happening here with a slightly anime style kind of? It's slightly anime. I think because I will say it's slightly anime, but there are a lot of close ups that really allow you to see the emotion that the character is because okay. the character is clearly going through like a range of emotions um, in terms of, you know, anxiety, depression, just you know, like I said, survivor's remorse. Um, the way that I can't figure out exactly how, but the the angles that they use for some of these characters, like there's one character who's in the shot where she's looking down um, and you can just see from the angle She's looking down at a picture and she's realizing something. And somehow they've drawn the face so that it's clear that she's got this sort of like, aha, 
sort of look, but it's just very nuanced in, in the way that the art is drawn. And I don't know, you know, they also pay a lot of good attention to the, okay, so we know I talk about the, the characteristics that make, you know, someone of a certain ethnicity mm-hmm. a little bit more real. They, they pay attention to that. Uh, as well, you know, in this book, um, there, you know, several of the characters are biracial, so they lean into that. Um, you know, African American characters, white characters, Asian characters, um, and they lean into that. So it's a, it's 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 a it's realistic enough so that you get the weight of the story, but it is not trying to be like, you know, photorealistic or anything like that. Huh. It's it's. It's, I think it leads to it. And it's a good, I like the color scheme as well. You know, when I was reading this, I start thinking about Steve when he was saying these are very bisexual colors. Mm. Um, yes. Um, and I am going to, again, horrible radio. I, I realize that, but I'm going to put a <laughs> picture in the chat. I'm going to post one in the chat so you can see what I'm, I'm talking about. Um, and you'll understand. But yeah, I think I, I would recommend it. I think it's said enough in this first issue to make me definitely want to see what else it has to say um so we'll 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 stick with it you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna stick with it i'll keep you posted you know i like to do a follow-up so yeah because you're just saying uh, yeah there's anime to that but it there's oh awful way to say there's a regular comic thing going on uh as well it's a nice mixture it's a good. It's a, yeah. it's a. It's a good start. Yeah, it's, I, I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. I enjoyed. It's it like mixing that it. Western style in. Mm-hmm. I think's what you're yep. going for, Bob. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Thank you. Who's the artist again? Sorry. What? The artist is. Who's the artist again? French Carlo Magno. Yeah, it's giving me uh, like, kind of like Robbie Rodriguez. Yes, Robinson, that's perfect. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Spider Gwen, remember that? Good times. Oh, Spider Gwen. <laughs> so again, I apologize to the readers for all the inside photos. Uh, you know, bad radio, but you know, if you, you maybe they've been the artwork for the episode. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't put it past you. So <laughs> it's all possible. All right, so my turn. Go for it. First of all, I want to add something, Bob, to your lightning round. I forgot to mention that the surprise reveal of who the villain is in the uh, robot uh, Ms. Marvel team-up books, totally unexpected. And for longtime readers of the X-Men books, not longtime readers, (laughs) readers from the last couple of years, I was genuinely like, I thought we forgot about that dude, but okay, cool. Here we are. So great to see. Um, I also have a few quick hits. Like I said at the top, I wasn't supposed to be on the show today, so I kind of just threw together some stuff. So very quickly, here's what I was able to read last week. Um, If you're not reading Do a Powerbomb from Daniel Warren Johnson, you are doing yourself a powerbomb (laughs) to yourself. I got to catch up. Because, yeah, it is incredible. Um, Issue three in particular, for those that were like eager for the wrestling to start, do a powerbomb three is where the wrestling starts as Lona and Cobra Sun, who, if you don't know who Cobra Sun is, read the uh, cliffhanger to issue two, because it will cause you to pee yourself. Um, they start the wrestling matches, uh, but death match actually uh, might be a little bit more real than they would think. Um, than uh, that our wrestlers would think because unlike on planet earth where Lona and Cobra Sun wrestle, on these other planets and realms where these other tag teams are coming from, wrestling isn't choreographed and fake. So things get a little serious real quick. Wrestling's um, fake? In Duo Powerbomb number three. It's real to me, damn it. <laughs> um, 
And if you ever wanted to see an orangutan um, wrestling tag team, Jewel Power Bomb is the book for I you. Didn't, I didn't yes. until just now. Right? <laughs> yes. It's, it, I, I, I do genuinely mean, though, uh, where I started, which is if you're not reading this book, you're doing yourself a disservice because it is a really stunning, stunning book it, in many ways for – you know, we've been fans of Daniel Warren Johnson on the podcast mm-hmm. for a long time. Beta Ray Bill. Um, I like the Wonder Woman book that he did. But for those that have really been waiting for him to kind of return to form with something like Murder Falcon, uh, do a powerbomb is the thing that you've been waiting for. Um, it's it's really wonderful. Um, I also read Heart Eyes, number one, from Dennis Hopeless and Victor Ibanez for Vault. Uh, this was uh, big monsters eating humans. Um, so the unlucky, and I'll read from the solicit here, the unlucky few who have survived those monsters now hide in the cracks of a broken world. And yet somehow beneath the graveyard that used to be San Antonio, Rico meets Lupe, the girl of his dreams. But how did she get here? And why is she smiling so much? No one survives out in the street. No one smiles where the monsters lurk. Um, yeah, so this book was like... I had no idea what it was. Uh, I saw Dennis Hopeless. I saw Victor Ibanez. I saw Vault. I was like, I, I'll give it a shot. I open up the book. It's big kaiju monsters, big, you know, uh, Lovecraft monsters eating people. I'm like, okay, this was not what I was expecting. And then we smash cut to just this girl walking on the streets, you know, and and like, how is she doing that? And then I'm like, I, I literally asked myself, I was like, how is she just walking around these like rubble laden streets? And then the next panel is like, the character Rico being like, how is this girl walking (laughs) on the streets? And I'm like, Oh, okay, here we go. And then in my head too, I'm thinking like this, like, you know, we clock these things here on the show. I'm like this, this, the, the artwork here in the drawing of Lupe is a little, um, it's a little cheesecakey, you know, it's a little, uh, it's a little, uh, you know, gazy here. And then like the next panel is like Rico being like, Oh my, I've never seen a girl like that. And I'm like, oh, maybe we're doing some kind of commentary (laughs) stuff. I don't know if it lands all the time um, because some of the like Rico brings Lupe back to like the safe house and his family is like, we know why you brought her home. She looks like that. So like clearly Hopeless and Imanez are trying to like do something Mm -hmm. with with that kind of commentary. I don't know if it always lands. I think the conceit of the book will keep me going with it. Um, to be clear, even as his artwork is not like super cheesecakey, like, you know, nineties, oh, like, okay, like, good. like, yeah, it's not like skin. That's not what's happening. It's not Zenoscope. Um, but there, yes, but there is clearly a male gaze component to it. I think it's intentional. Does it land? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm eager to kind of see where the next couple of issues go. Um, yeah, I don't think it comes anywhere near the project superpowers issues. Okay. Uh, I think, I think I, I, I do trust hopeless and even yeah, as a little Miss bit. Dennis hopeless, um, his spider woman back in the day. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, shirtless bear fighter Woo! two, number one, <laughs> it, it came, it came, it saw, it conquered. Really? Here we are Okay. five years later. Tw- I'm going to, uh, just for, for those at home, <laughs> I'm going to read you the solicit. For the 2017 trade paperback of Shirtless Bear Fighter, Volume 1. Please do. After being betrayed by the bears that raised him, the legendary Shirtless Bear Fighter wanders the forest he's sworn to protect, fist-fighting bears, eating flapjacks, and being the angriest man the world has ever known. When wild-eyed, super-strong bears attack the citizens of Major City, Shirtless ventures into the human world to do what he does best, 
punch those bears in the face. <laughs> but all is not as it seems. Someone is manipulating Shirtless, <gasps> and only by confronting the demons of his past can Shirtless hope to save his future. So that that was the OG Shirtless Bear Fighter, and here we are with the sequel in 2022. And if you... If if any of the words that just came out of my mouth appeal to you, they, flapjacks, they <laughs> shirtless, punching bears bear, in the nose, fighter, all at one if time. Any of those, all all at one time. That's what you're getting here. The book opens. Okay, the book open. You open the book, and it's shirtless bear fighter. It's not shirtless bear fighter. Rewind. It's kaiju sized gummy bears. Attacking the city. As they would. And shirtless bear fighter has to fantastic voyage himself into... Uh, into a into giant gummy bear? A, in, <laughs> no. Into a human child's brain. Because a small gummy bear is controlling the child's wow. brain to create giant kaiju bears that shirtless has to fight. With air to bear missiles, air ground to, to bear, bear missiles. missiles. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's filled with bear puns. It's filled with 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 shirtless bear fighting. It's filled with more bear puns. And at one point, shirtless is like, "I can't be a cop anymore." <laughs> so he takes his badge and he gives it back to the police. But he also gives them his pants. And walks off bare ass into the... So shirtless and pantless bear fighter. Okay. It is every... Look, Jody LaHoop and Nil Vendrell with Michael Spicer and David Lamphere on letters. Look, they know what you want and they give it to you here. And they give you things you didn't even know you want. Like a a character named Hillbilly Warlock (laughs) who who sounds like Colonel Sanders and looks kind of like an anthropomorphic pig. And he sounds like the the character from Looney Tunes, uh, Foghorn Leghorn. I say, I say, up, I say. He's like, yeah. I say, I say, I say, I say. The bears next door are summoning some dark magic, and it's like, yes. and it's like, what is happening? And and of course, because the bears next door are summoning dark mm-hmm. magic, uh, there's only one person you can call, and it's shirtless and now pantless bear. <laughs> Look, shirtless bear fighter two number one if you thought you knew what it was you were right and it gives you exactly <laughs> what you want uh, and then some so i i loved it we love shirtless bear fighter but the, the one thing i will say about shirtless bear fighter <laughs> two number one <laughs> is 27 2016 2017 in comics was very different than 2022 in comics and there are moments when i was reading the first issue where i was like i don't know if this is okay anymore but at the end of the day, I had a good time. And I think that I, I would recommend it uh, to people that were not only fans of the first volume, but are looking for something fun here as well. Um, yeah, that's that. That's that. Uh, let me see if there's anything else in the... Yeah, no. Okay, great. So the last thing I'll talk about, um, and this will segue into a conversation that Aaron and I had at, at Happy Hour on Friday, is uh, Aaron had mentioned on the podcast, I think maybe... Three weeks ago, he had mentioned the Milestone Generations documentary on HBO. It's about an hour long, um, but it is I, – I, I watched it and I loved it. it it's the history of the Milestone Media, uh, which we have been digging on the podcast for the last year and a half between the relaunches over at DC, Static, Icon, and 
hardware and and now blood syndicate has just started up again um the the question of milestone documentary milestone generations is dennis cowan asking where are all the black superheroes he asked that of himself back in the 80s and he and um michael davis and Derek dingle and Dwayne mcduffie you know created milestone to answer that question in 93 and it takes you through the history it takes you through you know Dwayne McDuffie's kind of creative genius and all the work he put into it. And then sadly the kind of like dissolution of milestone a few years later and now the relaunch as well. So um, method man narrates. It's pretty crazy. Jim Lee shows up a lot of the, the editors and, and folks from DC show up throughout the the doc as well. Reggie Hudland is, is a big feature. Um, The last like 10 minutes gets a little um, advertisery for like milestones corporate partner um all good stuff you know they're like like the the, the the corporation that they like teamed up with is like it's like a startup that is like helping to advocate and train like creators of color and mm-hmm. kind of like underrepresented creators good and like a great, great mission like so it's a yeah. great program yeah. but there's clearly like a turn like the last 10 minutes where it's like we wouldn't be able to do this without ally and it's like oh look how wonderful uh, this program is it, exactly. it kind of becomes an advertisement at the end but with that said, I think it's such a wonderful story, you know, the Milestone story. And with all of its ups and downs, McDuffie's story in particular, mm-hmm. all of its ups and downs, it's so wonderful hearing his story. And, like, that dude, his mark on this industry is – He's a giant. And I don't, I don't know uh, – in our circles and the kind of books that we read and kind of some of the folks that we talk about, like, we – like <laughs> – Naomi is named after him, you know, like, like we, we get it, like Uh we get it, but I don't know if everybody does. And I think milestone generation does a really good job of Uh of doing that. And, um, I just wanted to share Cohen recalls this story in the documentary that I just like loved. And I wanted to share it on the podcast too. And I think it actually ties into some of the stuff that we've been talking about before. And, you know, Dennis Cowan talks about, you know, how he, he went to New York comic con and he ran into Jim Steranko and Steranko was like, I've been approached by Marvel. I was probably Marvel knowing Steranko. And they want me to do, they want me to create some new characters, some new African-American characters, some new kind of, you know, underrepresented characters. And Steranko says to Dennis Cowan, he says, I don't think I'm yeah. the person to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you know anyone? <laughs> and he says, and he says, do you know anyone? And Dennis Cowan is like, I don't think I do. And, wow. and, and, like, and then, and then like, Cohen, like Dennis Cowan like goes home and he's like, oh shit. Like Storenko was saying, so, so, and, and, and like, that's the impetus. And I think the documentary does a really great job of showing you these guys and not only guys, like they, they talk to everyone who was really in that bullpen and, and you, they, they have photos of that bullpen and you see how diverse and, and progressive it was and you see them doing the work. Right. And it's like, that's what, that's what we have to do. You know, like putting, like giving the same thing that y'all were talking about with flame con, like not only ex like, like, like not only creating these opportunities, but putting those opportunities in in the hands of the people that really deserve them and need them and, and will do wonderful things with them. Um, 
So, yeah, if you didn't get a chance to watch, it's on HBO Max. With everything on HBO Max now, I'm like, watch it now because it might not be there. Hello. So, it could be gone uh, by the uh, end of this show. It could be gone. Yeah. Oh, so, so it's it's great. And if you haven't been reading the Milestone relaunch books uh, over on at DC, please do because, you know, Vita Static has been incredible. Great. Um, yeah, I, I is it Icon and Rock? What is it Icon, Icon and, and Icon and Rocket. or Rocket and Icon? Icon, Icon and Rocket. Rocket. It was also fantastic. I didn't read as much hardware because the the um I wasn't as into it, but the, I really love those two books. And I didn't start Blood Syndicate yet, but I'll definitely be on that mm. too. So um yeah, and uh, <laughs> so this documentary firmly, and this again does go back to what we were saying about FlameCon, and you know I think about. Even I think in the early days of, of you know of you know everyone being on board with every image number one that came comes out. When you don't know, I truly believe this. When you don't know how long you'll be around, it gets the creative juices flowing. Like I have to write this book, like it's the last one I'll be given the opportunity to write. Mm-hmm. And I truly mm-hmm. think that's what was that was part of the mindset. Like they, I don't think they truly, yeah, at Milestone, I don't think they truly ever believed, allowed themselves to believe that they were going to be a permanent fixture, but they were going to continue to push forward with the best materials that they could and the best representation. I think had they been given like a, you know, we're going to give you this 30 year contract and you're going to be able to do blah, blah, blah. They probably wouldn't gone have gone. They may not. I don't know for sure. They may not have gone so far as to do some of the things. Again, as Joey and I were talking about, you know, showing Virgil losing his virginity, you know, in, in, in the early static, having Raquel become a teen mother, you know, an icon of Rocket. Those were things that got a lot of pushback. You know, I don't know if they, you know, had been brought into, say, the DC proper or whatever that had any of that would have been given to them as an opportunity. Um, so they were able to get yeah. that, but at the same time, they paid the price. Um, McDuffie paid the price for pushing a lot of those things forward, you know, because they felt like they had to sort of get him out of there so that they could push the DC narrative a little bit more. And that's kind of what led to yeah. the, the breakdown. So, yeah. And I'm sure it's, it's all those creators had stories they were dying to tell, mm-hmm. to put out a different oh, yeah. narrative to the world about what other life experience was about. And as you say, they oh, all yeah. had to pay the price for that because it just it's not uh-huh. going to work to to some giant corporation who's oh, it all fits in this box. Well, we got to get thick out of the they box. Were, they were talking about some of those early stories, and, and one of the writers, and I'm blanking on the name, but the early writer on Blood Syndicate, you know, was talking about like, yeah, I had a queer character and a trans character, mm. and this and that. And I was like, in 1993, yep. in a major published book, like that's, and then they, and then they go like, yeah, you know, I was writing Static Number 50, and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> we, we, like, like we went that high, like so, so yeah. To Aaron, your point, like they were just. They were doing it. They were like, mm-hmm. we have this for as long as we have this and we are going to, yep. we're going to go. Um, and you hear the same story with, with going back to Ms. Marvel from before, you know, like you go back and you read those interviews with G. Willow Wilson and son Amina. And they're like, we thought we had five issues and we were out. Like, like we Let's thought load we it up yeah. <laughs> Loaded to the curb. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's such a sad truth with these big publishers that like if you have a story that's just slightly 
slightly off from the kind of mainstream, slightly off from Project Superpower. You know, like it's gonna, mm-hmm. it's gonna, it's gonna take a, it's an uphill battle. <laughs> I love that we're going to just use Project Superpower as code word for white comic now. Oh, absolutely. Basically. <laughs> yep. Yeah. White supremacist comic. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that. Uh, is it time for. All right, let's run these down quick. So this is fun because a lot of our news this week is actually like comics related news. Uh, a lot of a lot of solicits, a lot of announcements. We were just like kind of talking shit about the big publishers, but here we are with two big stories coming out of Marvel and DC comics. Um, let's start with Marvel since I know Bob wants to rant about this for twenty. I will not. Uh, I nailed it. I nailed this one. You absolutely did. So this November. Marvel's first family will kick off their next great adventure in Fantastic Four number one, an all-new series from writer Ryan North yes. and artist yes. Ivan Coelho. <laughs> uh, the issue will feature two variant covers by superstar artist Alex Ross. Superstar artist? That's what we're calling him now? Dude's been like a, he's like what, a legend? legend. Not, like, he's been working for like 40 years yeah. at this point. But anyway, um, I'll just read a little bit of the solicit and then we can go off here. To launch this new era of Fantastic Four, North and Coelho have launched the, landed the team, or at least a member or two, in a world of trouble. Something has gone terribly wrong in New York, sending the Thing and his wife Alicia traveling across America to escape it. But when they stop in a small town for the night and wake up the morning before they arrived, they find themselves caught in a time loop that's been going on since before they were born. That's been going on since before they were born. That's been going on since before they were born. That's been going... <laughs> What I've loved about reading these solicits and the interviews with Ryan North is he's saying that, look, Dan Slott went big with this story that he's been trying to tell for 20 odd years, whatever it was. I want to tell smaller stories. I want to focus on the family, come back, bring it all back together. I, it, it strikes me as how John Byrne started. And if that's where Ryan North ends up with family stories and then reintegrates mm-hmm. the big stuff with it, that's exactly what I want to see. I loved what Dan Slott did. He brought the cosmic back to a book that hadn't been published for three years. And if he had gone... He did 45, 46 issues. Right, and if he had gone the other way, I don't know that he'd gotten those 46 issues. It's not that mm-hmm. marketplace. But I think now you've reestablished the family. And I think Ryan North is... I think he's got the right tact for it. I'm I'm really into what he's going to do, and let's see how the marketplace reacts. But of course, there'll be a new first issue, so they'll sell three hundred thousand copies of Alex Ross covers. So that's great too. Go for it. I also think Ryan North is a fairly established writer at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he's got Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Obviously, he did the Slaughterhouse Five mm-hmm. adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also got his own novels and, yeah. and stuff out coming too so he's got he's got a bit of a name on mm-hmm. him he is absolutely excellent at doing those smaller stories i mean yes. that's what squirrel girl continually is even when she's fighting galactus it's a small story <laughs> yes. right yeah. like, oh, you know <laughs> galactus and the fantastic four have a bit of a history just a bit uh, i hope I we'll hope see he's if just uh, as well. we'll see if he shows All up have to do is get doreen to show up and they're good to go I was gonna say, she's his buddy. pal yeah yeah <laughs> Exactly. So um, I mean, I I'm not. I'm sorry, Bob. Cover your ears for a second. I'm not a big fan of Fantastic Four, um, generally. But this is going to make me a fan of it. I can already ooh. tell. Cool. 
And to be clear, too, it seems like the first – if you read deeper into the article, the, the first couple of issues are probably doing this thing, Alicia, time loopy thing. And then I think he wants to tell a read mm-hmm. Sue story. So I the think Johnny it is going to be this yep. kind of smaller – yeah, exactly. So it sounds cool. Chris, um, I'll, I'll just – as a quick aside, yes. read read the fraction Fantastic Four. Okay. And his, and his FF that goes with it. I'll add it to my ongoing Bob TBR that you've been making okay. for me. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also out of Marvel this week, um, Invincible Iron Man ret- as a title returns. Number one arrives in December. The character is turning 60 next Oof. year, which is pretty crazy. Um, Iron Man begins a new era with writer Jerry Duggan, who's been on mm-hmm. X-Men for a while and artist Juan for Gary. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the part where I'm just like, okay, uh, we'll bring Tony Stark to his darkest depths, only to rise greater than ever before. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah, Fraction did that. Yeah. Kimball did that. <laughs> like, everybody oh. does that. Roger Stern did that, and David Michelin did that, and Stan did that. Yeah, yeah, you know okay. who didn't do that? Gillen. Gillen was like, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm giving him a twin yeah. brother. Let's get not, like, <laughs> more of that. Not a twin brother. Not a, not a twin brother. It wasn't a twin, but like an old, like a crazy brother. But anyway. I miss, I miss um, when that happened all the time. I just want more secret Summers brothers. Let's do it. Yeah. Hey, don't even give me <laughs> Adam X the extreme. Adam X. Um, Invincible Iron Man will follow Christopher Cantwell's thought-provoking run on the title that concludes in November's Iron Man number 750. Uh, The ongoing series, the new ongoing series will begin with Tony reflecting on the highs and lows of his 60 years of history, including digging up some classic armors and confronting old wounds to overcome a devastating defeat at the hands of a Marvel villain who's been making big waves throughout the Marvel Universe recently. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Kang. No, no. Uh, Mandarin. Mandarin. What do you think? No You're way. going Iron Man. He's the classic Iron Man villain. Uh, Mandarin hasn't been seen in the prior Marvel Exactly, universe, but we've seen him in Shang-Chi. Okay. I'm saying. Um, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this sounds cool. I've been reading Cantwell's. Uh, it is a lot of fun. I like Chris Cantwell a lot. Uh, the artwork's cool. Pat, Patty, uh, Patsy Walker's in it. Um, different kind of iteration of Patsy oh. Walker, but it's fun. Uh, the Iron Man as a book... Has never really stuck with me. I've been on and off various runs from time to time. I always like when he kind of cameos and people make fun of him in other books. <laughs> That's my favorite thing with Tony Stark. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if Invincible Iron Man number one is going to get kind of big traction on the show, but um, I'll give it a shot. Jerry Duggins, I'm a big fan of his work, so we'll see. Um, anything on either of these Marvel books? I going back to Fantastic Four. I never really thought Fantastic Four needed to the. I don't. I didn't think that the what off what Fantastic Four offered required the cosmic stuff. So I I think taking it away mm-hmm. still gives you the opportunity to focus on the things that everyone loves about them, and that's the family and that relationship. So I'm I'm all good. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I didn't hate that it had the cosmic. I'm just saying I didn't think it was. You know, they only look good. They only exist in this this environment, you know, for this reason. I just mm-hmm. think that they it translates to any environment. Well, Slot did a number of issues, though, where they did trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. If you remember. He, he, yeah, that issue. That was that hysterical. Issue, right. <laughs> right. That was hysterical. So he did lots of smaller issues, but he eventually wanted to get his Reckoning War out of the way. And that took up then the last half a year of the book. I do yeah. have questions, though. Where are the kids? Well, I think we'll see them. 
Mm, yeah, Johnny's that, that's the Johnny issue. Johnny's okay. babysitting. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. Oh no. Oh, no. Um, Those kids are my favorite. They're sort of what Damon Green should be, anyway. Oh, oh. Aaron, okay. Aaron, and I hopped and everything this weekend. I thought we got past this. <laughs> You're, we're never going to get past it. It's like it's like John's not on the show, but anytime he says the name Nathan Summers Cable, I want to reach through the microphone. <laughs> the um, Summers family so yeah, has made a lot of appearances on the show somehow. Summers family is a, a time. They're my favorite, um, favorite messed up family. Anyway, quick quick jump over to DC TV before oh, we get into some DC solicits. <sighs> It is. It is bad news. I don't know if you saw the sizzle reel though. A little bit of ray of sunshine. I don't know for whom, but the the Last of Us tease was nice. Titans is coming back for another season on HBO Max, but the kind of insidery news that we got that is causing the 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 sadness is that Young Justice um, is not coming back. Uh, Fuckers. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not surprised with all of this, but they like they fought their way back for these two seasons, mm-hmm. and we never expected to get those two seasons. So I'm not as upset about this as I I, I don't know about other things. I also I don't know. I felt like the seasons kind of dipped off a bit from the earlier ones, but that's just me. I loved every incarnation of Young Justice, and I loved them because they were all different. They, you know, you you have that first season where yeah. they're the kids, and then yeah. the next season it's like five years later. Yeah, I and you it. have new, you know, and then you have the next season where they're like going through adult shit, um, but still trying to reconcile where they exist in alignment with the Justice League, et cetera. Because now yeah. the Justice League has literally ascended to this like godhood status, yeah. you know, and they them having to be covert. So it's just, there was just this yeah. evolution of the characters, which you almost never see in an animated series. You yeah. never see anyone grow up yeah. in an animated series. And you never see people die. You never see people. You had Batgirl become Oracle off screen. I know. Wow. I mean, I mean, Here, Wally, yeah. Wally West, like, good God. Yeah. Now, the <laughs> reason why she, like, I will say, Bobby, what you might appreciate is the reason why she became Oracle is not the the yeah. killing joke stuff. It was yes. a different, more redeeming Great. reason. You know, she's, she essentially sacrificed herself to save someone else's soul. Yeah. Um, and it, would. You'd, be, you'd love to know, you'd love to know who it was. Um, yeah. But that she saved, she sacrificed for. Her. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, so, I don't mean yeah. to sound so down on it. I really did. The first two seasons are some of my favorite television. I just thought three, they made the mistake of overpopulating with characters. Like there was crazy. a lot. It was hard, hard to give anyone any like time. The thing about the first two seasons that was so good was that everybody got some focus and attention. And by the third season, yeah. it was so diffuse that that it wasn't possible to give everyone attention. It f- was frustrating to me. But I love it, and I am sad it's gone. Really sad. I really, really just—it's just—it just brought such a different layer to the yeah. the animated space over at DC, and it just—it really sucks. It really just sucks. It yeah. also looks like I just, this is breaking news. I guess I just got sent this. Batman: Caped Crusader has also been canceled for HBO Max before it came out. So wow. that's shocking. They, the, yeah. Apparently. 
it just like this was just sent to me by TJ uh, from Gotham Outsiders. Um, but he he sent it over and apparently they're searching for another network. That's what they're uh-huh. doing at the moment. So hopefully it'll happen, but it's not happening well, it on looks HBO. Like, it looks like I saw it in something I didn't bring it up earlier, but it looks like Cartoon Network received a couple of the shows that were canceled. Go Cartoon Network. So, I mean, Cartoon Network is also a WB company, so like that would make sense. No, yeah. so, I don't know. Just a couple. Fun. I just saw just a couple of shows, but well, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it will. A lot of the animation stuff is getting scrapped, which sucks so bad. But anyway, um, yeah, sticking with DC, uh, some more kind of stuff coming out of the November solicits. This November, it's a new age at DC. Um, all written by Jeff Johns. Uh, made up, apparently. The, yeah. Yeah, apparently, yeah. So uh, we'll start, we'll go in order here. November 8th, the new golden age, DC's future and its past will never be the same again. But how are Mime and Marionette connected to this? Why are Rip Hunter and the Time Masters the most unlikable heroes of the DC universe? And who or what is nostalgia? Don't miss the start of the strangest mystery to have ever plagued the DC universe. Written by Jeff Johns, art by Steve Lieber, Jerry Ordway, and Diego Orlatagwe. Followed by Stargirl, The Lost Children, number one. On November 15th, Johns is teaming up with iconic Young Justice illustrator Todd Nock for an epic teenage DC hero event, Stargirl, The Lost Children. When Stargirl of the Justice Society and Green Arrow's ally Red Arrow discover a tragic teenage hero from the past has gone missing, they set out to find him, only to discover he's not the first teenage hero of the Golden Age to have vanished without a trace. But where have they gone? Who are they? And what does the Childminder want with them? Written by Jeff Johns, are uncovered by Todd Nock. And then finally... That's just me. Yeah. Well, hey, that's (laughs) uh, followed by the Justice Society of America, number one, November 22nd. Three weeks here. After making their long way to return in the pages of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, number three, the Justice Society of America are back in Justice Society of America, the new golden age, part one. Or are they? A long-lost hero from the JSA crashes into our era with a grave warning, but it's too late. A mysterious and malevolent enemy has invaded the entire history of the JSA, and an all-new team must come together to defeat it. But what deadly secret does the messenger have from beyond? Where are they from? And why is all this happening now? Only the Time Masters know. Written by Jeff Johns, art and cover by Mikhail Janin. So we got the Time Masters. We got the Childminder. We got, oh, we got uh, the Mime and Marionette. It's crazy. So New Golden Age, Jeff Johns. We got Stargirl. We got JSA. Bob, you're excited. I am am excited about all of this. I think all of it will last. Okay, Stargirl's due for six issues. I think they'll, you know, JSA will be gone by then too, but I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it while we're going. Obviously, Jeff Johns still has a contract and they're trying to fulfill it. But I'm in. I love the JSA have since I first encountered them in the 1960s. Great characters. Mm -hmm. And in the JSA book here, we are going to see some of those original members, Alan and Jay and and, and, uh, Carter. Great. We need some more of that JSA vibe in this family and heroes for the sake of heroism as opposed to the general GC vibe, DC vibe of just beating the snot out of everybody and being dark and angsty. Sure. So I'm I'm all in. I'm not sure that the DC bros are, but I don't care. They're for, uh, they're for me and about <laughs> 5,000 other people, and we'll be good to go for six months. It's funny because John's like, it's Star. I mean, obviously Green Lantern, sure, but it's JSA and Stargirl, yeah. right? Like that's that, that was his shtick for a while. So, yeah. I, I I'll I'll definitely hop on some of these too. I'll jump in there. Um, yeah, they sound yeah. great. 
cool. I always love when JSA shows up in anything. I just think they're a breath of fresh air. Exactly like I think you said it perfectly, Bob. <laughs> you know, Justice League has evolved into the the fist of the DC universe. <laughs> it's perfect. Go in and just beat up everything. And JSA sort of looks like the open hand. Like, here, come here. Let me, you know, let's let's figure oh. out a way to be heroes. Yeah. A little bit more heroic. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's that. Oh, yeah, that's the other one. No, I want Joe Mullen. Uh, wait, I want Joe Mullen to become a member of the JSA. She'd fit. Honestly, she'd fit. She was fit. She should probably call on Alan for his terrible outfit. You know what? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a great one. We get we get asked the question all the time of like, who's your X-Men team? Or like, what's your Avengers <laughs> squad? We don't get asked what's our JLA or what's our JSA team. So maybe we should do that soon. Yeah, I like that. I think we should. Anyway, and who, who's your Robin? Just kidding. Bucks we're looking forward to this week. Whoops, don't do it. Uh, Joey instigating. I'll go first here. Uh, So we got Department of Truth 20, which I feel like I've been waiting for for a couple of months. But anyway, uh, I Hate This Place number four is coming out too. Public Domain number three. Aaron, Uh Sins of the Black Flamingo. Let's do it. Oh, I love it. Um, If you you didn't get a chance to read Step by Bloody Step, the Siberian kind of silent book that he did a couple of weeks years ago a couple of months ago rather at image the trade is coming out again um it's beautiful the artwork's beautiful the story is really kind of esoteric and wonderful so definitely check it out um wind is coming back from james tynan i might check that out steeple volume three that's for you bob um and hey i've been waiting for this one everybody Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes. Anybody else on this book? I think I might oh, be the yeah. only person no, in the world. I, love I'm that. All in. I love that. I am all yeah. in on that Let's book. What go. are you talking about? Well, you know, Aaron, you and I just haven't been on the show to talk about it, I guess. That's true. We haven't connected. Um, what What are you picking up this week, Bob? Well, definitely that steeple number three. John Allison's a huge, I'm a huge fan of his work. We also have Defenders 2. Gwenverse 5, which finishes off that crazy dimension hopping thing. We have Damage Control number one. Always fun. Defenders number two, Al Ewing. And we have, I know I'm off some of these things, we have a one shot called Olympus Rebirth, which is the gods have returned. And it's Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, Jordi Belair, and on art, Caitlin Yarsky. Whoa, we were just yes, asking. We were. And here she is, a giant one-shot. Lots and lots of pages of really nice-looking art from the previews I've seen. Cool. Um, Chris, you picking up anything? Um, not not physically, because I have no money after FlameCon. Um, but I will be, I will be quote-unquote picking up, I guess, some Webtoons. Uh, it is currently return week, so a bunch of comics are now updating again, uh, including Lo- Love Me to Death and um, uh, Boyfriends, which is one Bronwyn and I love to read. I'm still making my way through Stagtown. And thanks to you all, I just downloaded Shirtless Bear Fighter number one, so I can catch up. Hell the original? the original. Oh boy! I want you to put yourself in our shoes in 2016 yeah. and just okay. be like, "What is this?" and and open it like totally, just like yeah. 
you know, virgin eyes and ears, having never seen a shirtless bear fighter before. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I, you know, that's you're yeah. gonna... just coming off of Grizzly Shark. Like, it's just like we, no, yeah. no one could have expected it. Yeah, you'll see me in the chat, I'm sure, responding, <laughs> reacting to this. Yeah, it's gonna just be like a lot of like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Oh my god, what the fuck? Hello. Yep. Where are his pants? Yep. That's what it's gonna I be. I mean, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, Aaron. So, okay, the pool this time exists of Miles Morales Spider Man 41, uh, Judgment Day number three, uh, Defenders Beyond Two, Justice League, Legion of Superheroes, Janice Vell. Uh, Captain Marvel 2, Olympus Rebirth. I seen that as well. Uh, I thought about Bob because, you know, the Hippolytus stuff was a trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, FF46, I believe. Marauders 5, Black Flamingo, New Master 6, and then Minor Threats number 1. Cool. All right. Anything else from the, the squad here? No, sir. No? No. Hold your pieces. Hold your pieces. Hold your little pieces. All right, let's do it. It's a little testy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting a little. I'm getting a little testy. We're at two hours and three minutes. It's like whew, this is like this is the Irishman for me. Okay. Um, where's my outro? Okay, here we go. We have reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast. As always, you can send us comments and questions through our email and on Twitter at Talking Comics. Um, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Aaron. At Aaron J. Amos. I am at Jerry Ruccino. Uh, Chris, do you want to give the listeners some updates on some of your other podcast goings on, where they can find you? Absolutely. So you can always find me on this stream at uh, doing Thirsty on Tune with Bronwyn. And our next episode is the Charlie Ed Hara interview of gay book, gay wolf book fame. Everyone can finally find out what it's actually called. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Uh, you can also check me out over on Gotham Outsiders, where our FlameCon panel will soon be coming up, so you can actually hear it. Nice. Yay. And if you want to follow me for all the things, you can follow my main Twitter at the Myth of Psyche, and you can follow my pen name at Cooper Cal Writes. Uh, please hit me up if you want me for consulting, sensitivity reading, beta reading, all of that stuff, or if you just want to chat. Awesome. Uh, we send our best to Stephen Bronwyn. Quick recovery to them, of course. Um, thank you all for listening. Where's the rest of the outro? Okay. Be excellent to each other. And until the next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued. You should just have a special Joey outro. You should just make it your own. Should. My special Joey outro is I don't know what the outro is. That's the special Joey outro. Like I, I never know it. Um, I just know it ends. I just I know it ends with to be continued. That's that's all I know. ready as it's gonna get <laughs> uh, it's gonna be like i don't have notes i got nothing going oh, on crap. notes no i'm kidding no <laughs>
Yeah. You, Do you want to finish your sandwich you first? Is that, notes? I wasn't well, use, eating a sandwich. I was eating saltines. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Would you like some water with your saltines? I am quite parched, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest. I'm quite parched. I may mute I'm myself already a little testy. Point. Testy? So, this was supposed to be my night off. Yeah, a little testy <laughs> is not a good expression. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, behave. Aaron, grow up, Aaron. <laughs> he said testy. He sure did. Yeah. He said little one. Little testy. Not a, no, a little testy. Not a normal sized one. But.